Bleeding Black on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Rugby. Welcome aboard, one and all. Five minutes after seven o'clock on SCNZ. Test match night. We are just seconds away from seeing kickoff between the All Blacks and the Springboks. The greatest rugby rivalry in all of the world, he says ever so humbly. Can't wait for the latest edition at the unusual spot of Mount Smart Stadium. Welcome aboard to Bleeding Back. This is our watch party. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to weave our way through the next three hours. Where we go, who on earth knows? This could, this could go a myriad of ways, but I'm absolutely thrilled to have alongside me a man who knows one or two things about what's pulsating through the 23 All Blacks who will be on display tonight. He, of course, represented New Zealand with some distinction. He's a Rugby World Cup winner, 53 test matches. He is the unofficial Lord Mayor of Upper Hutt. He is the one, the only, Mr. Corey Jane, who's kind enough to give up his Saturday night and come into a cupboard in our Wellington studio and spend three hours with me. You've evening. officially gone mad, haven't you? Yep, great evening. I'm so excited. I've been excited for the last couple of days. Um, but like you said, this is going to be uh, awesome. It's going to bomb. So um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it doesn't bomb. We've just seen the anthems and the haka. Mm. Bring back bring back stirring memories. Yeah, it does, actually. Um well, the anthem I didn't sing. I used to sing at the beginning, and then I stopped it because um, I could hear myself sing, and I'm not a good singer. Um, or oh, give me a couple of beers, I'll be right. But um, so I stopped uh, singing, and I just uh, looked for somebody that was wearing New Zealand uh, jersey in the crowd and watched them sing, and listened to the teammates sing, and that got me excited. So, um, and then you went onto the haka, which was one of the best things that I've ever been involved with in the All Black jersey. I, I look forward to it every single time. For us mere mortals who never got to, st- uh, to stand opposite uh, their uh, opposite number, what is that couple of minutes like? It's awesome. Like I always, um, and obviously I'm probably not the most intimidating man uh, known to rugby, but I always tried to look at my winger, wherever yep. he was in the line, um, and never break co- eye contact. And I was hoping that he would look at me and then look away, and then you're like, yeah, I've got him. Um, some of them like to watch on, but that was always the... The thing for me when I did the haka was always, you're my guy and I'm coming for you and let's play. Was there a few boys you used to run to the back? Yeah, I, I actually um, I always made it a, a point of myself when I uh, got into the All Blacks that I was never going to go to the back and a lot of our, the white boys like to jump back there. <laughs> uh, like we said before, the, the, the Oes and uh, the Owen Franks and uh, Brodies and, and those guys like to jump back there and I always made it a point that I was going to get up the front and embrace it, and really, that kind of got me excited to get into the test match, um, the hucker, and uh, I always went hard out and nearly passed out a few times, and I was, you know, get stuck into a pukana frenzy sometimes, but um, mate, that started it off for me. It was energy pulsating through your body the, the moment that finished, and, and did you crash before kickoff? No, but we always kind of like had to go into a huddle yeah. or talk to each other about how. We can calm down from that and, um, you know, have a bit of a chat into the huddle and try to get our focuses back. And honestly, out of uh, the 50-odd games or test matches I played, I don't think I listened to one of those huddle chats because <laughs> <laughs> I was so pumped up from the hucker. So. <laughs> so the team comes up, right, right, here's some sage advice. And yeah, don't even, hearing and don't even say uh, We're a couple of minutes into this test match and uh, no score South Africa v New Zealand. The, the, the first break 
uh, has been made. Will Jordan collecting a ball in a what I would call a fullback position, yeah, about sixty meters out and electric step got through the first line in New Zealand uh, inside the opposition twenty-two. As a result, can I talk about? And as this goes on, we'll, we'll just pick out uh, certain aspects of the game. Really keen to. Uh, to understand uh, the modern game with you, Corey. You always read the game so really well. Always uh, enjoyed chatting to you during your playing days and now into the coaching, uh, of course, with the Hurricanes. Really keen to sort of, uh, you know, pick apart that modern um, uh, fans of the game. But And we'll talk about individuals like the guys Boom. carrying the ball now. That's Mark Talia on the left wing, of course. But Will Jordan, he's a bit like you in the sense... You, you played a lot of your international rugby uh, on the wing. You played a, a lot of super rugby, a lot of um, MPC at fullback. I, I'm not sure if you had a preference over one or the other. I think you only started one test at fullback. Will Jordan's yet to play a test at fullback. Where does yep. he fit in in your world? Do, do you like him at 15, 14, or he's one of those players that can, oh, doesn't really matter? It was clearly way faster than me when you said what I like, but um, I like him like I like him at both positions. Mm. But I enjoy him on the right wing. I think his his attributes suit the the right wing. Um, how he can get involved. Now there's going to be a time where he's going to be the the number one fifteen in New Zealand. Um, and he's an old school kind of. I won't say old school, but the way that rugby's kind of gone this year, uh, you know, these last few years, it's the fifteen has kind of been a playmaker, and he's more of a conventional. Uh, you look back in the days of Cully. Yeah. Um, you know, he's more of a, a pop up in the right. Uh, spot has a has a nose for where the ball or the play is going to go, and at a penetrating line. So that's more uh, what I see in Will Jordan. But there's going to be a time where he's going to be the number one fifteen. But again, I don't mind him in fourteen. Four minutes into this test match, no score. New Zealand plenty of possession and asking a lot of questions of the South African defence. Uh, no joy rights now, but certainly getting over the game line. If uh, they keep playing at well. this, if they keep playing at this pace, it's going to be a tough day for South Africa. They need to be able to slow this ball down and get some momentum back for them because. New Zealand's having all the momentum going forward and and it's going really, really fast and South Africa are able to uh, make tackles and slow it down. Here's a try. Yeah, New Zealand are going to go in. First try, long period of attack. Who set it up? Will Jordan off his right foot. That's That's his foot. That, that was a good step. Nice. Absolutely skinned. I, I, I missed the South African defender, and he just pops the ball on the inside. And Aaron Smith put New Zealand in front. What a start, not only here, but last week as well. Yeah. You know, what, what have you seen, not only in the opening five minutes here, but against Argentina, as far as you know, the, the intentions of what New Zealand want to do? Well, the old horrible cliche is that um, you know, you've got to get over the game line, you've got to carry clean, but the subtle tips that... Uh, the All Black forwards are starting to use now where they're just not being one-dimensional and they're tipping early and then they're getting the clean on top of that. And it's creating fast ball for Nuggy. And if you get fast ball, you get some of these backs that are in the All Blacks able to run and get one-on-one opportunities. And you're starting to see them back themselves. And they did that against Argentina. And they're doing this early in the first five minutes where I think last year they are a bit more, they set up a couple of rucks, it'd be slow, that kick high or that kick long, and I don't think they really had their true identity on how they wanted to play. Where you can clearly see what they want to do this year, and it's awesome to to watch and the momentum that they can get on top of that and put teams under pressure. And it's fast as well, and it's all black rugby. Yeah, when you beat six defenders, Springbok defenders in the opening five or six minutes, um, but they can't, uh, as they the can't get set. They can't get set, and if you can't get set, it's hard to make dominant tackles and slow the ball down. So. 
They're going to be a tough all day if they can't get that right. What was your gut feel prior to this game about how this might play out? Because uh, South Africa, and this is a compliment, they're a real known quantity. I made the point on the Saturday session earlier today, 18 players in this 23-man squad played in the Rugby World Cup mm, final mm. of four years ago. They, they know each other ever so well. They have their style. So they sort of turned up probably more of a known quantity. Yeah, well, I guess I was unsure. I didn't know which team was going to uh, win, uh, ideally the All Blacks, because I'm from New Zealand. Um, but, you know, I didn't know what team, and I guess the, the key for the All Blacks, well, they've shown that they're playing fast and putting the South Africa under, the, under pressure, but for the South Africans, I guess, to have a chance or dominate, they need to be able to slow it down and play in the right area of the field. And, you know, set piece is all good. I think the New Zealand, uh, the All Blacks will do well set piece-wise, but the more chances South Africa have down by New Zealand's 22 to put us under pressure, I think the better they're going to be. And then that brings in their kicking game. It brings in them running really, really hard and trying to get over the game line. But if the game slips away off them in the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, they're going to have to start using the ball. And I don't think the first priority for South Africa is to use the ball. Now, we're seeing that they can over the last couple of years, which is awesome to see because they've got some of the best strike weapons in the back line. Yeah, why um, wouldn't you want to use... Mr. Colby, but, who slices to fit. But they're starting to do that. Yeah. I remember back when I played, which is a long time ago, you know, you, you, you look at the outside backs and you're petrified because of the speed and the yeah. um, agility that they had, but they never use them. They just keep kicking the ball. And so you're like, thank you. Where now, I think they're starting to mix up quite nicely the brute physical dominance that they like to have in their pack, but also using their their backs to actually play some rugby. So, again, I don't think that's first and foremost for them. But if they lose, well, if the game gets away from them in the next 10 or so minutes, they're going to have to start doing that. Yeah, struggling to get their hands on the ball so far throughout the half minutes. New Zealand are leading by seven points to nil. The Aaron Smith try after about five minutes. Long period of play. Uh, you know, great um, uh, recycling pace at the breakdown. They're able to sort of stretch and get it. And not allow, as Corey Jane has uh, pointed out, not allow the South African defence to set and then rush forward and uh, just using players' ability to beat men. Will Jordan started it and then uh, provided uh, the real spark late on. Lovely right foot step and then an inside border was left and Aaron Smith scampered over. You know, another halfback stealing a, an outside a, backs try. A fat man's track. Yeah. That I think you look at him, there might be two tries in his career that he's actually created himself. <laughs> but he got all of them from inside. Yeah. Every halfback known to... Known to the game has probably just scored most of their tries by passing the ball and just running the the lazy line on the inside and scoring tries. I wish I was a halfback. <laughs> New Zealand are going to go further in front because they've been awarded a penalty 25 metres out and Richie Moonga, uh, no mistake. So really good start here for the All Blacks. Uh, you are with Bleeding Black, the uh, watch party. Corey Jane, All Black number 1080, if I've got that mm. off the top of my head. That's right. Uh, uh, All Black number 1080 is with us over the next three hours. Uh, we'll reflect on the game in front of us. We'll talk about his uh, career as well, both as a player and as a coach. And uh, I'm sure we'll go down some rabbit holes along the way, including uh, some of his more fond memories and, and less enjoyable memories of playing against the Springboks in this incredible rivalry, 103 games. 
what was the rivalry? It had to have been talked about more in the lead up to a test match. We're playing South Africa. The, the fans do it. The media does it inside a, a team environment. Does your coach look to press those emotional buttons? No, because you got to win every game. Like you want to win every game. Mm-hmm. You play for the All Blacks, and if you don't, um, New Zealand's not happy. So, <laughs> I guess you know there is a big part that you know you've got to beat South Africa, you've got to beat Australia, but the thought of really just honing in on on the rivalry on on a certain team, like I said, you've got to win them all. And me personally, I thought the bigger rivalry was Australia. But that's just for me because growing up as a kid, Aussie were your neighbours, the, the big brother. And they so, got really good for a while. Yeah, and they got really good. And you watched uh, them dominate, you know, the late 90s and all that kind of stuff. And so you're starting to think, well, as a young kid, Australia, you've got to beat Australia in everything that you can do. So that was kind of like, first and foremost, when I looked at teams that I had to beat, it was Aussie and then South Africa because of the hard travel to get all the way across there and pain in the ass. Oh, and then playing in front of everyone in the crowd that absolutely hates you and then loves you after the game. And um, awesome place though, awesome place. But do they embrace their sport? Don't oh, they? they love they it. Get to the ground hours beforehand. The briars are out. They really do make. Um, a festival atmosphere of of it, and good on them. Yeah, and one and of the we probably could learn a few things. Oh, 100 percent. One of the the first time I ever went there, and I, it wasn't with the All Blacks, but I was with the Canes, and we played in Kings Park in Durban. And after the game, we lost. Um, but after the game, they all had their prize and everything going on, and we were able to go walk around for an hour or so and just mix and mingle, and you know they'll give you a beer or you sit down with a family and just see how passionate they were for rugby and you being a rugby player and it was just like you looked at it and you're like this is so awesome like family members just cooking up and it'd be cool if we could do something like that in New Zealand that's what it oh, should be so tailgate oh. I know you're a big NFL fan Tug, oh. we need to embrace the tailgate that's in New Zealand right. don't we yeah you just can't really do it well you could do it on the concourse at your beloved Sky Stadium yeah but then your barbecue and that will blow away it's <laughs> 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 <Her> windy there <laughs> mm. Yeah, maybe on a good day, Corey, you're probably, uh, you're probably onto something. This is Bleeding Black on SCNZ. We're 12 minutes into the test match. It is New Zealand 10, South Africa 0. New Zealand starting very well. Uh, plenty of enterprise with ball in hand. South Africa really struggling to actually get any pill. We'll continue to follow the game. Try, hey, Jane. Oh, <laughs> you've called a try. This, yeah. <laughs> it's called a try. We did this move in the Hurricanes. Uh, there's a bomb, a good old-fashioned bomb from Aaron Smith. Oh. 20, 25 metres out. And I think someone's come flying. Will Jordan. Will Jordan has in. gone up. But unfortunately, Will Jordan, who's, you know, leapt like he's Corey Jane, oh. leapt out of the traffic and has just knocked the ball forward. Rico Ioane has scooped it up and has actually got the ball down over the line. And our French referee is just uh, checking with the TMO. And uh, good to see a French referee knows the rules. Oh, uh, it's never worked any better. So, so tell us about this move. You're claiming this move. This is a oh, I'm not claiming this move because I didn't come up with it but when they crash into the middle of the field and the halfback puts up a box kick right into the middle because normally the backfield of each team their winger or their fullback depending if well they've got to cover the backfield so it yep. might be over by the sideline because they're worried about what's happening next in this case the left winger Mpimpi was standing in the middle of the field so he was actually in the perfect position but with the nine or 
Aaron Smith doing a hot high ball box kick, and you have a 13 on the left, which was Rico, Will Jordan, what was on the right, and they're your primary chasers, depending on which way the ball went on their side. So from out to in? From out to in, and it happened to go on Will Jordan's side, the right side, and he actually got to the ball first. I think he was the only one that got to the ball. Um, but he didn't catch it. If that's a try, that's a, that's one he that just bombed played. it. He bombed it. That's the one that uh, really pleases a coach, right? A coaching group. Right. If you pull something off like if, that, if you create a move during the week and yeah. then it comes off, you're, you're over the moon. Over the moon. Yeah, I was going to say better than six, but come on, Daniel. Better than six. <laughs> Twenty-one minutes yeah. after seven o'clock. This is Bleeding Black on SENZ. Uh, Corey Jane is going to be with us through to ten o'clock. And friends, guess who's joining us at halftime from? Some dodgy pub somewhere on his family holiday. A guy you know well. What? Ever, ever love-hate relationship? David Schrummer. You say friends. <laughs> I don't know if Mr. Israel Dagg is going to uh, join us at halftime. We'll give him a holler. Uh, we'll find out um, <laughs> what he is made of the opening half. Nice be nice to him. Uh, the Tank Engine's joining us after 9 o'clock, which will be interesting because, you know, I don't know how many beverages he might have enjoyed over the course of this game. But Thomas Waldrum. Um, yep. Former Canes, Crusader, and of course, English International. Still sounds weird when I say that. Uh, he'll join us after 9 o'clock. And if you want to play a part, you can always do that as well. You can pick up the phone and give us a call. I would 1811 You're probably more likely to send us a text on the temper and bedpost text machine. Do that. Double eight, double three. Corey Jane is always up for uh, um, any question, I'm sure. Different uh, questions. Yes. Throw them out. 22 and a half minutes after 7 o'clock. This is Bleeding Black. We'll take a short break and be back with more after this, with the All Blacks leading by 10 points to nil. Almost 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Welcome into Bleeding Black. Corey Jane's alongside me. Daniel McCarty through to 10 o'clock tonight throughout the duration of this Test match. And then, um, can you get your thoughts at the end of the game on 0800 You can text us, double eight, double three. Uh, Corey Jane uh, will relive some of his... Uh, well, memorable moments against South Africa. We've got some friends joining us a little bit later uh, as part of our watch party. But we've been watching intently while chatting. We're nearly 19 minutes into this test match. And now New Zealand are leading by 17 points to nil. Because Shannon Frizzell has just bulldozed like a wrecking ball down the left-hand side. Steamrolling uh, the, the final defender after wonderful construction and play by the uh, New Zealand team, Corey. It's this is mightily impressive. Seventeen nil, nineteen gone. Yep, and if South Africa don't score, oh, gone turnover. Um, I just think the intensity that the All Blacks have started this game, this first nineteen minutes, has been unreal. And you mix that with the skill set that they're able to play with. The like I said earlier, the quick tips. If they are carrying the cleaners there straight away, and then they're able to get fast ball and get some one on one, which they're making little line breaks or half line breaks and putting South Africa under pressure. And so they're not able to get their defense set. And if they can't do that, well, it's pretty hard to win games. Um, so I just think clearly the mindset of this all-black team is they want to run South Africa off their feet. And that's what they're doing here by hard carries or quick tips to change the direction of where the play is going, spreading it wider, going again, and they're constantly having to run. And that's not what they want to do. Uh, someone texting in here, Daniel, oh my goodness, in quotation marks, write that down. It's a moment for Nisbo listening and watching here at Mount Eden. Uh, yeah, Nisbo's uh, loving it, and why not? Um, you know, when Nisbo goes to that level, he's, he's getting really excited, and he's seen every, <laughs> every type of game um, over the years. 
How about these for some of the numbers? Uh, the All Blacks leading 17 points now. We're into the 21st minute, so a quarter of this game is gone. Metres carried, 223 metres to 10. <laughs> Hard to win without the ball, yeah? 48 carries to three. Uh, this was as of about a minute ago because uh, live stats and rugby. Uh, I'm sorry, your sport does not do well. Um, uh, you, you do not serve the fans well, but that's not your fault. Defenders beaten 18 to nil. Clean breaks five already for the All Blacks. They've made 70 passes to the Springboks six, and the Box have made 60 tackles to, to 10. They're starting to get their hands on the ball, but now, oh bless. Brilliant. One the one thing that I saw. Uh, last week when they played Australia is that because of their big ball carriers, a lot of them carry by themselves. So it's good yep. opportunities for the All Blacks to get an extra man in there to try and steal the ball because um, the opportunity is massive there. Well, the construction, their best period of play, no doubt, here at uh, South Africa. I think, Matt, nine or ten phases as they've worked their way up inside the New Zealand 20-metre uh, line. Uh, Shannon Frizzell, excellent in that tough opening 50, 60 minutes against Argentina. He's one, I don't want to say enigmatic, but he... He's like a tap, isn't he? He can be hot, he can be cold. Yeah, but I, I think he's he's showing that he's what you want as a six. You know, you look, everyone goes and looks back to yep. Jerome. Well, that's a bit unfair to compare everyone to him. No, nah, but, you know, I mean, you look you look back and you try and find a six. Uh, a Jerry, you go to that where you just want them to be absolutely physical uh, in the tackle, in the carry, and allow the other fours or other loose trio to go and do their job. And when he's on, I mean, he's... The most physical six we have, and he carries so hard, and he just wants to go and smash people. And you know, we, the more you can see that consistently, the, the better this All Black team's going to be. Because when he's on, he's on. Box have turned down a very kickable chance from twenty-five meters out and going to the corner for a line-out. Ah, uh, they're pretty good at that. Gee, they man, been. there's some big lumber in that team. When you can bring Peter Steph to toy at six foot seven off the bench and R.K. Snyman, who's six foot nine, do they? I know you're alongside some pretty enormous human beings when you're lined up against your but Saf is just a different, different do you, gravy. Do you know what I used to do? Every yeah. rugby team that I, or every game that I play, I always used to look at our guys and they'll look at the others and I'm just sort of like, how do, how are they that big? Like, it's just, it's unreal. Like, And then, again, technique and you know, a bit of heart and a bit of pride comes into it and it can change the game, but we've never been the biggest team. You know what I mean? Every single time you play South Africa, you're never the biggest team. The All Blacks have stifled that he attempted uh, line-out drive and have done very, very well and actually uh, have come through, sport the ball, but have knocked the ball on. So there will be uh, another scrum to South Africa. 17 points. Now, was Bucky's border the biggest of them all? Uh, he was the widest. He was He was a big... He was... He was uh, it, it, like, no, you're right. It's not just height; it's width. And yeah, he was. Yeah, he was depth. massive. Like you had Victor and all those guys yeah. who were like tall and skinny. Where he had, he was massive, and I never had to worry about him because he was um, never around me. He always wanted to beat up Jimmy Calvin and all that uh, when he headbutted him in that game. Yeah, good headbutt that one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yep, it was. Um, but he again, he was one of those nice guys where um, on the field, like he just wanted to kill people. And then you got him off the field and you started yarning to him. He was he was unreal. Nicest guy you could ever meet. I think he's very religious as well. Very, very religious, yeah. actually. Uh, Grant Elliott, my co-host, was at, at a, a function last night alongside Scott Berger. And Scott Berger was telling the story of 
Bucky's brought her, you know, in the changing rooms before games, always praying. Yep. Always praying. And, and Skulk always used to joke to, well, there's, there's Bucky. Um, uh, Bucky's uh, asking for forgiveness for what he's about to do on the field. He must have done and, it a, a lot. And they, <laughs> they mentioned that game where he had butted Jimmy Cowan mm. on the ground. So Jimmy Cowan's, you know, gone back to, I think from memory, go back to dive on a ball. Correct. Bucky's has gone over, landed on top of him, and he just head-butted him. And he's, he's gone to the captain, Bucky's brought her, after the penalty. He's like, nothing wrong with that, mate. Don't worry, Skip. Yeah. And then they see the first first replay, and he's arced the head back, and he's, he's nutted him. And he turns around to John, I think John Spitz, captain, and he went, Bad angle. Bad, don't, don't worry about the next angle. Even worse. I'm just unsure. Like, I know that if I went to do that tackle, it's probably not the first thing that I thought about was heading, headbutting someone in the back of the head. But, again, like I said, when, when he was on the field, it was just like he was an absolute maniac. Loved the game. Loved South Africa. Loved just trying to go out there and dominate. And then off the field, completely different person. White line. Unreal. Fever. Unreal. Yeah. Happens to the best of them. Oh, well. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, more stories to come. It's 26 away from eight. Back after this, the All Blacks still up by 17 points to nil. Nearly 25 minutes gone. The South Africans have a scrum. Five in from, mate, that's seven in from the left-hand touch. And maybe 14 metres uh, away from the New Zealand goal line. Welcome back after our little four-minute interlude of adverts. Uh, this is Bleeding Black. It's my watch party. I'm Daniel McCarty. I've invited Corey Jane, the Lord Mayor of Upheart, down the road to our Petoni Studios uh, to watch the All Blacks against South Africa. Also talk uh, life and times of his playing and coaching career, of course, on the uh, coaching staff of the Canes uh, this year and over the last uh, few years. The score remains 17 points to nil, Corey Jane. Um, but some South African fans will probably be jumping up and down. And Russia Erasmus, he's probably already on Twitter. Um, having a little bit of a complaint. South Africa, as we, we pointed out, we're having their best period. They had plenty of position, you know, left, right, hard runners, as you would expect. We were able to recycle the ball. New Zealand's defensive line on the back foot. Started to run out of ideas, as you pointed out to me off here. Uh, then Fluff de Klerk kicks to the right wing, where it's a one-on-one between uh, Colby and Bowden Barrett. Um, then describe what you, what you saw. I thought it was a try or not a try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea. I said it was a try at first, and then I said there wasn't, and then I changed my mind about 19 different times. But you're right. I think the All Blacks' uh, defense stood up there because South Africa, while they were trying to be nice and direct and nice and physical, and uh, they weren't really able to go in anywhere inside the 22. So that little kick to the or cross kick, um, it ended up nearly coming off for them though. Yeah, so Barrett goes up. Because he's a taller man, of course. So he gets above Colby. He gets the first sort of hands on. He's under contest. Um, and the ball sort of slips through his hands. Goes uh, down. I think had a knee of Colby. Then it looked like his right hand from one angle had got the ball down. But then from another angle, it looked like he sort of nudged it forward. It was real messy. From what, It's one of those ones, uh, and Nismo said in the commentary, a, a real 50-50. Um, one of those ones, one angle looks like a try. The other one... Doesn't and in the end, at the end of the day, um, New Zealand concede no points. So great decision. Yeah, great, w- wonderful decision. <laughs> and Magnificent you, and you, referee. You can normally tell when they start getting the camera angle that's about uh, eighty meters away um, <laughs> for something little like that. That it's probably not going to be a try. Uh, which they did. Fuff to Clerk. Uh, it was a wonderful kick, but uh, you know the attack really had stagnated at uh, that stage. But South Africa, uh, this this will calm them, won't it? Seventeen nil. They would feel a lot better if they walked away with seven points there, I'm absolutely certain. But but they look a little bit better with ball in hand. The question is, 
when New Zealand get possession again? How do they slow the attack? Well, they needed ball in hand. That's yeah. what South Africa, they were just under the pump for 19 minutes of this game. So um, they're not helping themselves because when they, oh, they let it, you know, a couple of little errors, that one there, they had a goal line dropout and they dropped it straight away. So they don't help themselves. But again, if they can slow New Zealand's momentum uh, like they have this last 10 minutes, they'll go a long way to helping them. Well, there's no Eden Park, Eden Park factor. What's the Eden Park factor? Well, the fact that you that the All Blacks can't lose at Eden Park, that it's illegal. That, that, that all, all Blacks are not allowed to lose yeah, anyway. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that, that opposition teams get thrown in a jail if they win at Eden Park. It's, it's a long, long time ago. I'd like to know, and we in the media do beat it up, you know, the All Blacks factor, you know, the Eden Park factor. You, you played there a fair bit in Black. You won a World Rugby World Cup there in Black. You might remember. I'm not sure if you do. But was it a thing? Did you guys feel better? We're going to Eden Park this weekend. We'll win. No, I think we felt better just because all you guys were saying that it was hard to win there. But to be fair, like you're playing in New Zealand, and yep. you got most of your crowd is going to be supporting you. But it's the same thing when you go to Wellington. The same thing when you go to Dunedin. You know. Yeah. So I didn't feel anything different. It was just that everyone was saying that they're hard to beat here, and I think the opposition team. We're like more panicky that, oh, it's hard to win there. We're going to Eden Park. Um, that They got spooked by it rather than you guys yeah. sort of drew energy out of it. Yeah. Well, I think so. Because, yeah. I, I, yeah, for us it was, you, you're, not, you're not supposed to lose when you play for the All Blacks. You know, you, you get in trouble if that yeah. happens. So you're supposed to win games everywhere. And so I think, I think fans or uh, the media built it up more and kind of, Scared the opposition, which was cool. Keep oh, you, doing it. You're Keep wel- doing it. You're welcome, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. I, I, I know the All Blacks and thanking media don't go really, you know. Oh. It, it it doesn't come comfortable. I have it's, never it's not... had a problem with them. To be fair, yeah, they've always been nice to me. <laughs> um, what one one guy who should probably remember? I remember really well. Sort of my mentor, Graham Moody, wonderful, wonderful bloke, incredible rugby commentator. He always said to me as I was coming up through the ranks, he felt that public pressure was a huge reason for the All Blacks' success. Mm. That people were on your tail all the time, that even if you won by 30 or 40 points, people wouldn't you know, crow too much. And that if you won by only five points, the talkback lines would light up and people would. complaining. Correct. Do, 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 do you agree with that, that, that expectation? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I remember my uh, sort of first year I, I made the All Blacks was 2008, and we went on the India tour. And I played a couple of games there. But my first start came early 2009 and we played France in Dunedin. And um, we ended up losing that game. I set up Liam Messon for a try. Sorry about that. I didn't even know why I brought that up. But um, Oh, you could probably expand so, on that if sorry you really about, want. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I can't remember how I did it, but it was long range and draw and pass try. But uh, we ended up losing. And it was, you know, because I've been part of the Hurricanes or Lions and you knew what it was like for your region when you lost. But to lose for the first time at home for the All Blacks, like the next day, just it just felt wrong on the Sunday. Just the dull that was sitting there because you had lost and what it meant for the whole nation, not just a small little area. And so I, I remember that. I, I felt that straight away and I was just like, we just can't have this. Because I remember as a kid too, when, you, when the All Blacks lost, it was, you know, Oh my God! What are we going to do now? You know, just drop them all. Oh, it shouldn't happen. <laughs> drop them it shouldn't all. Shouldn't happen. Drop them all. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, so it's it is massive. The pressure's there, but you got to enjoy pressure as well. You know, 
Just had a wonderful wipers kick by uh, Geordie Barrett, a crossfield kick to the winger that's actually gone backwards. Uh, you don't often see that. Uh, it's hit the chest of Le- uh, Will Jordan, who's then thumped it downfield. It remains 17 points to know. A lot of huffing and puffing at the moment, uh, but no real breakthroughs. New Zealand, over the first 15 minutes, were quite superb. Uh, the speed of ball, the width and attack, stretching South Africa on their heels the whole time and richly deserved uh, this well, very substantial lead. Uh, I'm sure a lot of All Blacks fans would have felt 17 points nil. So did you read press? Were you uh, a guy went down to the local, read the newspaper, I don't know, you know, went on the radio, went on TV, wanted to hear what people were saying? Um, oh, I, I looked a little bit. Uh, you know, it's hard not to look up. I didn't really um, get stuck into it too much. Well, at the beginning, you know, when I first started, it was like, oh, what are they saying about me? Or what am I doing wrong? Or what are we doing wrong? But then I started getting a little bit older and you realise that not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone enjoys how you play. Yes. Or, um, so it's just about you going out there and trying to be the best version of yourself and compete. Um, I like that word, compete, because I, I tell my 12-year-old daughter, who's uh, she's our sporty one in the family, the rest don't care. I'd say every, <laughs> every time we go, she likes basketball and yeah. and I say every time you get on the court or whatever you're playing, we don't try Others might try, but we compete. Yeah. So trying to draw that. But, um, yeah, like I said, going back to the, you know, reading the press, I, I did. Um, but then I kind of learnt, he, clearly he doesn't think that I'm a good rugby player, but, hey, we all have our own opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, so if I'm going to get caught up in this person thinking that I shouldn't be in the team, that's such a mature way of looking at it. You'll never get 100% of public opinion behind you. And if you uh, if you are seeking it, you've already lost. It's in a, anything. It's hey, wasted energy. In anything. Yeah. Like there's, there's actors in movies that I love that some people don't. But it, it's just the way of the world. Now, I wouldn't go out of my way to abuse them or call them lesser people. But you're 100%, you're not going to get everyone that's going to enjoy you for who you are. Um, or how you play. There's always people have their favourites, and it's not there's nothing wrong with that. I have a favourite. Fifty clerks here. It's just magnificent. I just want to run my hands through it. Do you now? Yeah, I just want to get some Timote and, and rub it and rub it in. He has uh, put South Africa on the board. That is a that is a weird segue. Uh, it is nearly uh, eight o'clock at night, and I've you know been on air for I'd, a very uh, long time. Uh, it's thirty five and a half minutes gone. Corey, it's New Zealand 17, South Africa 3. More from Corey Jane, Bleeding Black. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute, double eight, double three. The All Blacks red hot and through the opening 15 minutes. It's been far more even, and South Africa have closed the gap to 14 back after this. 13 away from eight. This is our watch party, eight minutes away from eight o'clock. Watching alongside me, Daniel McCarty is all black number 1080. Over 50 tests, World Cup winner from 2011, Mr. Corey Jane. Uh, we'll talk more about his time in the all black jersey, but all eyes on the uh, approaching halftime siren. Uh, South Africa hot on attack. Um, they It was 17-3 uh, when we went to the ad break. Richie Moonga has kicked a penalty to make it 20 points to three, but South Africa have worked their way up the field and now... Uh, Willemsa will kick to the corner it does seem and there's going to be a, a line out drive as we are now in added time of the first half and what have you seen from the All Blacks defence defence a real specialty for you over the last couple of years uh, it seems to me they're slipping off the odd tackle now yeah well they're working hard and I think in the collision area where you know that to get my mic closer to my mouth eh? um, where they obviously the pod system that teams play in this way off 9 or off 10 they're actually carrying really really hard and the All Blacks are up to it there 
It's just when they're starting to go a little bit wide and get momentum, South Africa, All Blacks have kind of got a hold and push kind of D, which is cool because they're nice and connected, but you're having to make a lot of tackles. And teams are starting to get gain line on, well, South Africa are starting to get gain line a little bit on them, which, uh, you know, you burn a lot of energy. So it'll be interesting to South Africa can score here. Then we've got a ball game second half, yeah? Oh, for sure. Um, if they kick that, well, it's at 20 points to 10, and they'll be feeling a lot better uh, about themselves. And you can have those games where you're completely outplayed and they were completely swept aside for the first 20 minutes. And then you go into the sheds and, and you go, hey, we're only 10 down here, fellas. From that first 19 yeah. minutes when I thought 50 to where it is now. And if they can score, and they're going to get a penalty here or not. If they can score here, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, right under the shadow. Well, you can't say shadow. Well, I guess you can with the, with the lights as they uh, truck towards uh, the line. They are held up. Oh, no, ball back. The ball is still available. And uh, is there a little knock-on? Oh. Uh-oh. What are, what are they, they're going upstairs for what? Big fella scored. You think they've got the ball on the line? Well, we'll just have to, to wait and see. Can, can you be down by 10 and almost feel like you won a half? 100%. <laughs> and they'll be walking to the change room going, absolutely, we're in this game now. It's a, a, Incredible. Incredible. If they can score. If this doesn't score, then... Okay. Uh, I, I want you to throw a coach under the bus that you worked under. Who who was most likely to give a team a spray? Get out the old hair dryer. Throw things. Scream. Shout. Who's the angriest at the time? Uh, probably me now. Um, Chris Cribbs. Uh, but he was a all black coach. But he loved a good spray. I like, he could I smash the old table. I didn't mind too. that. I didn't mind that. Uh, I don't think we had them. It was... Shag used to say it in a subtle ways back in the day. Ted was always, we need better from you boys. Like, and, uh, but I don't think there's... Screamers and shouters? Nah, not anymore. What about teammates? Uh, All pretty calm. Colsey didn't mind a... Well, Colsey didn't well, mind a bark well, up. Knock me down with a fear. He didn't mind a bark up. I think the only reason he tries to fight people is because nowadays he's not going to get punched back. This is the Oscars music. That's what we call it. The wind-up music, Corey, means we're going to the top of the hour. Uh, no try. No try. End of the half. 20 points to three. We'll take a short break. Israel Dag's going to join us oh, after this short break to give his take on what he has seen in the opening 40 minutes. This is Bleeding Black, our watch party. Corey Jane and friends starting off with Corey Jane. Sorry, uh, Israel Dag, right after this break. Half time. Bang on 8 o'clock. This is our Bleeding Black watch party. Corey Jane's alongside me, Daniel McCarty. We're working through to 10 o'clock tonight. Friends joining us along the way. I think this guy's a friend of yours, isn't he? It's the great Israel Dag. Is he? How are you? Where are you? Where are you exactly? I'm uh, sitting outside my caravan watching the rugby on my laptop because it's got dusty Wi-Fi. But uh, I'm in uh, McKenzie Country, Tikapur, and it's great to hear my good mate, CJ. He's having a wee call with you. Here you go, lads. Yeah, yeah, good, Israel. How are you, man? <laughs> nah, no, I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm just uh, watching this uh, All Blacks team go to Mahi. Look, that Will Jordan kind of reminds me of you. Testing South Africa out of their own game, testing them in the high ball, and uh, yeah, getting a lot of lot of gains there. So, mate, it's been a good first twenty five minutes. South Africa kind of got back in the fight, but uh, mate, what a start for the ABs! Who would have thought? Listen to this guy like a true commentator. He has played well, hasn't he? 
Uh, well, Jordan, he's not only been on the right side of the field, he's getting around the field, uh, which yeah. starts going to the fullback argument, doesn't it? Well, he's just electric to yeah. watch, isn't he, fellas? It does, it does. It's like, you know, like, where do you feel him? But then Bodie on the other side, he's, he's a good release for for Richie Moonga. They're not relying on Aaron Smith, Richie Moonga, to really get them out of pressure. Bodie's done a lot of the kicking. And I don't know, Siege, you, you'll be able to talk about this. So when you play South Africa, you're constantly working on the high boys, a back three, you know what's coming. But they've kind of flicked the switch and gone, oh, well, we'll test them at their own game. And they've got a lot of gains there. They're pressuring them at the back. The exits have been on. And, uh, Ah, that, I don't know, that first 25 minutes, I think Shannon Frazell was outstanding. Like, how good is it to see a six that's getting the ball, he's carrying hard, he's, um, you know, getting gains. And you know how line speed is, Siege, with, the, with the, you know, the Hurricanes, you've been doing it for plenty of years. But when it's when it's tough is when the team that you're defending against gets behind you. You can't get off the line twice. So I think the collision here has been, been good from the ABs and uh, good to see a few of the hands uh, being put up from a couple of players that there's been you know, a lot of debate about. Well, I just think the intensity that the All Blacks started with and they weren't just going to be nice and direct because they were using those little tip passes between the forwards, yeah. which obviously changed the direction where the collisions were going to be, which allowed, you know, quick ball. And South Africa ended up, you know, got on the back foot the whole time. And it's hard to bring line speed, just like you said, or, or go forward if you can't win collisions and you can't slow the ball. And then... The All Blacks were able to get their one-on-ones, the Will Jordans and Bodie actually playing with the ball. And mm. that there is the All Blacks, I guess they've found the identity on how they want to play. And then I remember back in our times when we used to you know, prepare all day for, for catching high yeah. balls. But then yeah. on, the, on the flip, <laughs> all the time, constantly, um, original yeah. bomb squad, not, not, not their bench. But I remember, you know, putting it back up to them, like, South African outside backs weren't the best at catching high ball. So we could go yeah. and put pressure on them if we did it. But they were unreal yeah. at putting up high balls because of their kick mm. and where they landed. And they chased really, really hard. So there is opportunity to, like you said, send it back to them and chase well and put them under pressure and keep them in that part of the field. just want to pick up on something, um, Israel, that, that Corey's just mentioned there, identity. And he talked about it a little bit earlier. Do you sense there's more of an identity so far? And, you know, it's only three halves of rugby. We don't want to get too carried away. It's really a small sample, but (laughs) it's 51 points to three in the first half against Argentina and South Africa. Are you seeing an identity, a team actually, you know, believing in in what they're about a bit more than, say, maybe last year or the year before? Yeah, I am. I think you go back to that last five minutes when they kicked into the corner and, you know, traditionally, a couple of years before last, they would have scored their South Africa. You know, we haven't had that killer instinct about us. We've we've been easy kind of opportunities when it comes to rolling more. Like that last five minutes when we were under the pump, it would have been easy for the All Blacks just to throw the white flag up and, and go to half time with a 10-point a lead. But you get the sense that this team really cares. Uh, they understand what they're about. And, and see, do you know when you play South Africa, You've just got to go to a dark place. Cody Taylor spoke about it. Um, you know, you got to hit rocks. And I, I saw that first 10 minutes. Like, they were taking them at their own game, particularly around the ruck. There was one-off runners, one-off pickers, pick and going. They were playing fast. They weren't allowing the this, this South African team to set. And when you're picking going through a ruck, that's when you know where this team's head's at. So I think it's a good step in the right direction, uh, Dan and Siege, I think, um, we could take a lot out of this, but that last 15 minutes, South Africa got in the game. They started getting some continuity going and, and getting back uh, to playing South African rugby. But on the flip side, 
the, the All Blacks will be very proud of the effort. But um, we've got another 40 coming up, lads. My multi's gone. I'll have bloody Cody <laughs> Taylor first try. Aaron Smith's gone, so I've got to reload. <laughs> oh, that's not a problem with me because I'm not allowed to bet on rugby men, so... <laughs> yeah, gamble responsibly yeah, yeah. responsible hey. out there. Oh, you get me in trouble like, here, son. Could you imagine going on a, on a road trip in a camper van with Izzy? No, but I heard rumours that there's uh, one coming up to Upper Hut there, boy. What? <laughs> hey, put in the good word for me, hey, man. Might have to get the ferry over and uh, come and catch up with with the old mate. It's been a it's been a while between between drinks. I was actually sitting there watching this test match and, and knowing that you're going the call with Dan and mate, we went to battle uh, plenty of times against South Africa and uh, the beer tastes even better when you get the job done, eh, Siege? Sure does. And we've got a couple of um, babysitters up here if you want to bring the kids. Uh, I've got a couple <laughs> extra kids than you, so the young girls don't mind babysitting. The boys are not going to do anything. Yeah. They don't get off PlayStation. <laughs> mate, how, how are you finding the call? How are you finding uh, doing the radio call? I know you've done a bit of uh, TV. It's different, eh? Yeah, well, I haven't really even talked about rugby. It's just been yarning and talking, telling stories about absolute shit, really. <laughs> telling stories about myself, really, um, which yeah, I'm quite good at doing as well. You're very witty, yeah. very witty. Mm, I'll be thank loving, you. Uh, hearing your voice. Hey, uh, great of you to answer a call for us on holiday, my friend, in the wonderful Mackenzie country. That is a glorious part of the world. I'm a little bit envious, uh, fair to say. Well, like, <laughs> caravan, you're into caravans, mate. I'm not. Oh, I don't know if you've if you've seen his one. Yeah. It's, um, it almost flies. Pimp my ride, is it? A massive one. Yeah, massive one. It does everything for him, and he doesn't. You know, he's just sitting there letting up, letting Daisy look after the kids because Israel's lazy. He's he doesn't inside, do anything with them. So he's inside, yeah, here. she'll I'm be inside cooking my, and cleaning uh, and doing all that. Red wine, and I'm chipping away, mm. lads. I'm chipping away on a red oh. wine, watching it on my laptop. Daisy's in there looking after the kids, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> well, give yeah, give buddy. Daisy our best and tell her she's MVP. All good, lads. Hey, keep up the great work and uh, up the ABs. Hopefully they can bring it home. Looking forward to the second half. Get in position, Israel. Do appreciate it. Look forward to you and Kimby's analysis come Monday morning. Um, I'm assuming you're back Monday morning or probably not. Yeah, no, I'll be back Monday morning. Looking forward to ripping in. Might have to give my mate Siege a call. He's on holiday now, so you have plenty of time mate, for me. Mate, I might just call in on a random number and change my accent and... Uh... <laughs> Stop you. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> Enjoy, Izzy. Thanks so much, buddy. See, do appreciate it. See, see you, lads. Cheers. Amen. Israel Dag joining us there, of course. Uh, Izzy for Kempi and Kempi for breakfast uh, from 6 a.m. on Monday, eight minutes after 8 o'clock. He seems a pretty good nick for halftime. He's had a couple of red wines, I think. Yeah, smart. Eh? He's actually talked some decent rugby. He must have come on thinking, I'm going to steal this and kill it. <laughs> Well, otherwise he's, he's threatened. I think Maybe he's, he's threatened nah, by he, Absolutely not. But he's probably been listening to Mills and Kirsty and that and uh, Goldie talk about it, so he's just copied what they said. But that's He always good. played with a, a smile on his face, and that was part of his charm. It looked like he was really enjoying life, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, the public might seem a bit of a joker, but what, pretty astute reader of the game. But he was, well, I don't know if he took too much notice or really cared about really what was going on, but his natural instinct for the game and his feel was just unreal. Like he just knew where to be to get his hands on the ball and he backed his, his skill like he had one of the best goose steps. It was David Campisi and then it was uh, Israel Dagg, a goose step-wise. Like he just got everyone, every Walk single up, time. Unbelievable. And you knew that when he got the ball, a couple of goose steps, that little flap on the top of his head flow, flip back and you know you see a, 
little bit of balding there. It was just, you knew he was on his way. Vance, the hair studio, saw him. Like, have some of that. Yeah. We'll have some of that. It's nine minutes after eight o'clock. We're in uh, the halftime break. South Africa have got a big job ahead. Okay, you're coaching hat on. Mm. You're the South African rugby coach. What are you saying to them at this halftime? Well, we've got to play in the right end of the field, and that's what they started to do a little bit there at the end. And um, you know, so it's important that they start keep that momentum that they finished the half with. Um, they've got to take a little bit of pressure off themselves, and they're making a few errors where they shouldn't, and that's not going to help you beat the All Blacks. So playing the right end of the field, keep the physicality going, but I think they just got to keep playing on top of the All Blacks, where you saw them at the end there. They'll carry hard a couple of times and then they'll try and throw it wide where I think if they just continuously try to keep on top of the All Blacks and put them under pressure, create a few penalties, um, then they'll be right back into this game. Yeah, uh, By our count, I think it was 60 tackles made um, in comparison to five by New Zealand in the opening 20 minutes uh, just to show um, how much things have changed. The All Blacks, in fact, have made more tackles. Mm. Uh, 81 to 76, uh, according to uh, the Rugby Championship well, website. Well, in fairness, um, South Africa probably missed a lot in that first half, so they didn't have to make them. <laughs> yeah, they did slip off a few. New Zealand slipped off a few later in that half. But uh, it, it's well positioned for a New Zealand fan, no doubt about it. Up by 17, the hulking frames and the box are out the middle. The All Blacks... Uh, are out there. The second half is ready to rip into action. Our coverage continues after this break. 11 minutes after 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Your thoughts welcome on double eight double three as well. Welcome aboard Bleeding Black, our watch party here on SCNZ with former All Black World Cup winning outside back Mr. Corey Jane. We are three minutes into the second half. The All Blacks still lead by 20 points to three. The first shot fired by the All Blacks. A well-rehearsed move, Corey Jane, that a lot of teams, you were saying, like to pull out off a off a line out, it's off a line out and scrum, like most team in world rugby, from club rugby going all <laughs> the way up, run exactly the same move, and it's hard to defend because there's certain ways to do it, but it's where the the mall or the drive is going, and the nine passes it across, the first five effectively to the twelve, and so the first five is missed. So the first five is missed, and it goes to the twelve. In this case, Geordie and Rico will be running short off him. And normally the ten or the and the winger go behind those guys as like a skinny play like league and and hope to push out the defence with them and hope that well, they hope the defence will jam on the twelve and thirteen and then they can go out the back, but in this case here, Will Jordan came on inside of Geordie and so they would have pushed wide to the twelve and he got a nice inside ball and almost scored a try. But again, every single team in world rugby runs the same move. It's just these different variations that. But there's a reason for that. Can catch you. Well, so it's quite effective. Hundred percent. Well, if, if and if you're more, and he goes through here, and it's not. I, I think it's a great covering tackle. Might be by the centre has turned around, sprinted back, and actually jolted the ball out of his hands. He looked like he was going to skate on through. The hardest thing is if your mall is going backwards, and South Africa was going yeah. backwards. So once the mall starts going backwards, the forward that's hanging off normally has to go in, and everyone's got to get tighter. Which then the move is really perfect. If the mall doesn't go anywhere, that move is not going to really work because. The defence doesn't have to close up. Yeah, so the All Blacks uh, making a positive start in the second half. No points. Uh, they were quite brilliant through the opening 20 minutes of this game. Uh, Will jo Jordan was at it. The first try actually came 
after a, a wide pass from Bowden Barrett, about, what, 20 metres in from the right-hand sideline, he flung it out to the right flank where Will Jordan collected the ball on the, his own 10 metres, tried to get on on the outside of Willie LaRue, who, one of those tackles, he got his bootlaces, let the player go, and Will Jordan, very um, quick to, to release the ball, get up, pick up, and then somehow go back on the inside and beat four defenders before putting Aaron Smith over. Uh, soon it was uh, a second try to New Zealand. This time, Shannon Frizzell uh, bulldozing his way after a long period of play, I think about 10 or 11 phases. They went left and right and finished off in the left-hand corner. Lovely catching a pass. Cody Taylor um, fed the, the last pass, and then Shannon Frizzell, um, a, a bit like you know, the likes of Julian Savia has done over the years, just ran over the last defender. It's, that's not a... That's not the type of figure you want to see if you're coming across to make a, a, a one-on-one tackle. No, it's not. Two metres out. And I'm kind of jealous of him doing it because it's something that I've never been able to do in my life, is bowl someone over. But um, Oh, you had a good fend. Yeah, but that's different. Yeah. Because I, I remember when I was a young kid, um, not being able to run it, and I was tiny when I was little, and I kind of had to figure a way to beat people because I knew that running My favourite player was Jonah. I loved him. But I knew I couldn't run people over, so I had to try to figure out a way um, you know, to to make people miss, and it was with footwork and trying to develop a fend or something to get them away from me. Well, you you had a great ability to swap hands and fends both hands, didn't you? Yeah, I liked my left. Yeah, uh, my left hand fend more than I did my right, but um, yeah, I was comfortable going off both. But again, it came down to me trying to figure out what my game is at a young age because I knew certain things I couldn't do, um, and you know running people over like uh, Frizzell did, something I couldn't do. Would it be, would be nice. Oh, I, d- I did it once. I remember, I'll tell you Imagine a story. Imagine being Jonah. Let me tell you a story. Long Imagine time being ago, Jonah. I had sore knees, yeah. and we were playing the Sharks in uh, in uh, Kings Park in Durban. And I'm, I was running down the sideline, and Jules, Julian Savia always tells a story because it was the one time I was running down the sideline, and I couldn't really step because my knees were sore. So I just beelined for the fullback, and I actually bumped him over. Um and he, to this day, says, goes, I remember the one time you've ever done it. <laughs> and it was the Sharks guy, and he goes, you were running down the sideline, and you look like the oldest man ever. <laughs> and I was, um, but he said something nice to me, because he said, I remember you bumping him over, which was cool. He had a good year for you, the Canes, didn't he, Julian? Jules. Yeah, yeah, he's good. It's just a little bit of wisdom's coming in now. Yeah. You know, he's starting to understand, and that's what happens when you get a little bit older too. Like, I... Um, Realised that you know when I when I started getting older, my knees started going, and I knew I couldn't get lateral. I had to try to reinvent myself, and the D side was it. How can I stop? You know something happening before it happened, and you kind of try to be a phase or two ahead. And he started to do that this year, you know, and which is cool. He's trying to figure out what the attack's trying to do and reinvent himself. And again, it helps when you can run people over, um, which the big bus can do, which is. There's, there's probably two people in the world that I've seen consistently want to run through people. And you, some people you get, they run hard at the beginning and then they slow down to try and bump. Rico, uh, not Rico, Jules and Nani are the two people oh. that they just wanted to run through. And then they said, well, I'm just going to run harder next time. Yeah, often people think of the great Manu as a great ball carrier, but he had the little shift like, yeah. right right at the line, didn't he? Like, yep. he? He would just just move and the defender would have to move, but... Lamar, and then he would bump you uh, off. Ask Richie Moore. <laughs> 100%. And, and I'm running straight at you, and there's a very good chance there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and Lester, he reminds me of Jose Gear. Same running style, yeah. and he slows you down, and then he leans out with his arms to try to bump you off. So, again, he runs 
hard and bumps you off, but he's not. I don't think I've ever seen another one like Jules and Nani, Jonah back in the day, but no one could tackle him. He's, but in the modern game, yeah. they just wanted to run through you. Yeah. Uh, Sam Kane went off at half time. Uh, Corey's pointed out to me in the break that there's no ice anywhere, so um, it might be a head knock. He's had a few of those over the years. We hope he's okay, but Sam Kane has been excellent this year, hasn't he? We'll maybe talk about him a little bit later, but while we're thinking of all these great players, I'm just thinking, man, the highlights are real for those players that you've rattled off. Um, Lomu, Lobapi, um, Savia, pretty good. Give me top five highlights reels of all time. Who would have the best highlights reel? Jonah's got to be number one, I, w- I would have thought. Again, Ooh. but it, yeah, 100%, but which era are you looking at? Because if you're looking at back in the days, you know, the, the 90s. Okay, from the era that I've been watching, so 1984, I think was the earliest test I can remember. Oh, I, I got a couple of shouts. JK had a few. Yeah, JK had a few. He had a few. Christian jo- Cullen. Cullen. Jonah. What about um, Rupini? Oh, mate. Unreal, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> Unreal. I had, like, if we went on YouTube and you, you, you found the best highlights for us, I, I reckon Rupini would definitely be in your top five. You'd put him in any of your teams, wouldn't you? I heard some great stories about when he was in Northland. I don't know if yeah. it's true. But <laughs> he'd, Who cares? He'd, he'd like, just, you just look at his natural ability and then I heard a story that uh, he picked and chose whether he wanted to go to training and they didn't see him for three or so days and they came to his house and there was just KFC and everything around and he was like, nah, I'm not coming to training. And then I think he played in that weekend and carved up like just, some people had it. Unbelievable. Like, I just get him the ball in hand. Oh, he was something to watch. But again, different times now. You know, yeah. now there's defense, and you, you've got to try to get away from a defense that stands in front of you. Back in those days, it was if you were able to get in front of someone and hit someone, you've done a good job. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he didn't just make people miss. He embarrassed oh, mate, people. He was unreal. Like, and, and some slippery wingers too, you know, turning and chasing and look like they're on a treadmill. So fast. Yeah, so fast. So strong. Take and just and, and ability to burst through tackles too. He was gone. he's an incredible player. Any kids listening, uh, enjoy your night watching Rupini Thatham with his um, uh, highlights reel uh, right up there. Uh, if you want to add in a top five, uh, feel free. Um, Corey will drop in some names as, as we carry on. And uh, no change to the score, 20 points to three. It's in that... Um, Attrition phase, uh, you know, Sather rely huffing and puffing, not getting through as New Zealand's defence is holding uh, resolute. Uh, we are now 11 minutes into the second half. Fuff de Klerk has just gone down holding his right knee. Um, he's jumped over the top of Brody Rotelic trying to get to a breakdown, and I don't know if Rotelic's tripped him or he's just clipped him himself, and he's uh, holding his knee, and that does not look good. And it looks like he's going to leave the field. So it looks like Williams is coming on and Jersey number 22 to replace a Fuff de Klerk. There's one player um, New Zealand will be happy to see on the sidelines. Yeah. Well, he's just so dynamic. He's quick to the ball. He's got his core skills are unreal, pass kick. But he also is a little nuggety guy that doesn't mind running. And physically in, in the tackle, he's, he's quite good. He's got everything that, I guess, if you're a halfback, you dream of having. Looks good in speedos too. Oh, does he, 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 he likes getting the kit off post match, doesn't he? Taking the photos in the chain. Oh, I sheds. haven't really noticed to be fair, but well played to you. Um, yeah, very interesting. <laughs> exactly. It is uh, twenty points to three. We are twelve minutes into the second half. We're at twenty-five minutes after eight o'clock. We'll take a break. Back with more.
24 minutes remain in the first years between New Zealand and South Africa this year. How many will they play? Well, only time's going to tell. They, they they might meet at a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. Who knows? Uh, with that absolute bonkers draw. Paul A and Paul B looking utterly stacked oh, on the Lord. same side of the draw. <laughs> but right now, it's a 10-point ball game, Corey Jane. We have this really happy knack. Every time we go to an ad break, something happens. Uh, there was a penalty. They kicked to a corner. And guess what? A rolling ball try. Are you a fan of the rolling ball? Worst thing in world rugby. And I, need, I only say that because um, most teams that I've been part of, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't figured out how to stop them. And I think, in, in fairness, half the forwards don't know what they're doing in there as well, to be true of you. Um, but if, if it's not part of it, you know what's, what's going to happen then? And then again, the flip side of it is you just got to learn to stop them. Well, it's a game for all sizes, um, and I like variety. Um, you know, those teams who lean on it all the time, yeah, I can, I can find them a little bit boring, but, you know, I'm not those ones who, one of those people who think you should eliminate the rolling more. But let's just give credit. Um, I think five South Africans went over the line, didn't they? It was, yep. it was that well-structured, it was that powerful. New Zealand, you know, obliterated in that aspect, and now we've got a 10-point ball game, and, and things feel completely different. Yeah, it's kind of got a little bit flat for... The All Blacks, you know, the a few drop balls, balls going to the ground, they're not winning the collisions. The physicality that South Africa are starting to bring in the contact area in the breakdown is putting pressure on the All Blacks. And apart from this little break here, um, it hasn't quite gone their way. Yeah, the All Blacks back in position, but still 40 metres out from the South African line. 20 points to 10 in South Africa. Well, the try was scored by Malcolm Marks, who's come off the bench with... Um, Okay, Snyman and all six foot nine. If Malcolm Marks is just a hulker, he's a small windowless Let's building, on. As, as I like to describe. Peter Steph to Toy, also still to come. I think there's 240 test appearances on that bench. That bench is stacked, isn't it, uh, Corey? When you when you when you factor in uh, the the caliber of player, Marks, uh, Vincent Cox, Snyman, Peter Steph to Toy, Dwayne Vermeulen, all part of that World Cup winning squad. Uh, I think it's a decided edge, that bench. How big an aspect is bench play in rugby at the moment? Oh, massive, because you know, players don't go all the way anymore. You know, you look at the front row, they always come off. There's normally a lock, a halfback. Like, they always come off in nowadays. Mm. Back in the days, never did. But So they're massive for continuing the momentum and you know, finishing off games. And you look at South Africa, the way that they've built their, their bench, they're probably sitting there in the first 19 minutes when... What was it seventeen nil? Probably thinking there's not much we can do here, but twenty one minutes to go, and they're right back into this game. They've got an opportunity here to come on and see if they can win the game for South Africa. And even with this twenty minutes or this nineteen minutes that's come after half time, you can see South Africa, the physicality that they are in, you know, happening in the collision, yes, in the breakdown, they're slowing the ball down, which they couldn't do to the All Blacks in the beginning of the game. You can clearly see what it does to the All Blacks and puts them under pressure. And they'll be hoping that they can stay close in this game so they can keep bringing that pressure uh, to the All Blacks. Slight reprieve for the All Blacks. They've been awarded a penalty 48 metres out from Bang in front. And Richie Mongers uh, lined up the penalty and split the uprights too as New Zealand extend their lead to 13 points. Um, no brainer for you. He's the, the starting 10? Correct. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. I think he's an outstanding player, and um, he just drives the team so well, and he has just such poise. So, um, 
100%, he's number one. Well, he's no spring chicken now. I think he's approaching 50 test matches. This is a guy who I think, you know, if you're writing a list of best players ever in Super Rugby, he's right up there. Like He's just been phenomenal at that level. Yeah, he's played in a, in a remarkable side uh, with so much depth, and he plays behind, to quote your old mate Steve, uh, sorry, Steve Hansen, uh, a Rolls-Royce Ford pack. But, but how much is it that? Because uh, he hasn't played to that level at international rugby. I'm not saying he's not suited to international rugby. I'm just saying very few people who have been, you know, absolute geniuses at Super Rugby tend to, to go on and have massive impacts. Uh, I think we haven't always seen that from him. Yeah, is it Ford, only Ford pack related, do you think? No, I don't, but it helps. Nines and tens, doesn't it? If you've got a Ford pack that are dominant and they know what they can do. But I guess when you look at him with Super Rugby, he probably has complete control of that team. And whatever he says goes. Because he's earned it. Well, because 100% (laughs) he's a great player. He probably understands the game so well. Where probably at the All Blacks, there's a number of them. You've got Bodie who's played over 100 test matches. You know what I mean? He's a first five as well. So he probably hasn't felt that he has that belief to control the game and, and have his input as much as he probably does with the Crusaders. But if he does, he gets confident to do it. I might be wrong, mm. but if he if he does, oh, my God, you know. He's got everything, isn't he? Oh, he's, man, he's just so crafty. He understands the game. He knows when to kick, knows when to run, knows the spots to be in. I mean. So how do you game plan for him, defensive coach? Oh, honestly, you've got to limit the opportunity. And I, I don't think you game plan for for one individual, uh, for him, you just got to limit what the rest of the team can do. And if, if you continuously give them front football or opportunities to get him behind you defensively, well, he's going to pick and choose what he wants to do. T-R-Y. They're back. Hold your what? thoughts there, Corey Jane, because South Africa have bulldozed their way to the try line and Mr. Chislin Goldie's gone himself. <laughs> The referee's pulled a left. He's gone. He's pulled a left calf by the look. The Frenchman, sock around the ankle. He's limping hor- horribly. Uh, but we should uh, describe the try. There was a little bit more sort of, not intent, but a little bit more, uh, what's the right word I'm trying to come up with? It wasn't just crash bash. There were offloads, uh, trying to get the hands free, clearly not trying to, to take it always to contact and recycle. And then a lovely pass to the right flank, and Cheslin Colby just absolutely fires onto it. And he gives a lovely swan dive, goes in in the right-hand corner, and it's an eight-point ball game with a kick to come. The last 10 minutes, you're seeing South Africa play the way that the All Blacks played in the first 19 minutes. You know, they're starting to get on top. Has Mark Talia made a bit of an error there? Yeah, well, he's getting he's, high, but you have... He's on the left flank, which he's normally on the right-hand side. He's, looks like, to me, he's gone a bit ball-watching there. Coring got sucked into the five-metre line. He's about four or five metres away from his... Yeah, a bit tight, but the idea out there is to get up into that space as a winger and watch the ball. You don't want to watch your defender. You watch the ball because if they do throw it over, obviously you might be able to intercept it or you can turn and burn. Uh, they didn't have a fullback cover behind him, so um, he got a little bit high there where ideally you got your 10 or your 15 behind you that can cover that pass over the top, uh, which the All Blacks didn't have. So, But again, you go back a few four phases before that, South Africa is starting to get on top of the All Blacks now, and the All Blacks have to make tackles, and then they can't slow the ball. So you start getting those opportunities where, as an outside back, you've got to make a decision to try to stop this. And he made a decision and didn't come off. And Colby's now goal-kicking because Fafta Klerk is off the field and his uh, sideline conversion has hit the right-hand upright. So it's 
23 points to 15. That's a great dive. I'm going to give that a solid 8.9. 8.9. Good height, good elevation. I'm going to grade him down for difficulty. It's, you know... 8.9 is high. What if he did a flip? What is that? There's only room for one point. Well, he's not going to do a flip, is he? Has anyone done a flip? My favourite dive of all time is Richard Zimbra at the 1987 Rugby World Cup for Zimbabwe when he when he dived, rolled, and dislocated his shoulder. Oh, I can't remember then. <laughs> did he now? He did. I remember. I, I'll show it to you in an ad break because we're going to get to a break. It's uh, 23 minutes away from 9 o'clock. Oh, it's going to be tight, tight on the way home. 23 points to 15, eight-point ball game. South Africa look far more at home now. They look far more assured. They look far more South African. Utterly blitzed through the first quarter as the All Blacks just came out with uh, you know, real pace and energy. And South Africa were really struggling to stay with them. New Zealand need to get our ball in hand and, and have a crack themselves. We'll take a break. And stay with us. This is our Bleeding Black watch party. Corey Jane, former All Black World Cup winner, alongside me. 23 points to 15. The All Blacks are leading South Africa. You are with SENZ and our watch party. New Zealand hot on attack. Can they put this game to bed? You do wonder if a, a, a try here uh, will do exactly that. But credit South Africa, who looked you know miles off the pace through the opening 20 minutes. Uh, 20 minutes, Corey, um, have been excellent in getting back Getting back to what they do best, shifting bodies, hitting oh. some uh, Try. Uh, rucks. And now New Zealand look like they have scored. Have they awarded it? Yep. Yeah, so a kick from the open inside the 22, back to the blind side, the right-hand corner of uh, Will Jordan, who juggled it and got it down. Yeah, who, I think. Was that Bowden Barrett at first receiver? It was. It was. Lovely yeah. vision. There's no one out there. He did juggle it, Will Jordan. Grabbed it on the second attempt and got it down just as Willie LaRue arrived. The fullback couldn't force him out. And New Zealand now 28 points to 13. They lead. Whew. The pressure was on them because South Africa were pushing them back uh, phase-wise and, and, and in the collisions, but able to hold on to the ball. And then they bent them down a All Blacks right edge. Uh, the South African defense was quite short. and Great little chip, great little try. And... Uh, T-R-Y. I love the confidence of that kick. Well, I, I like the confidence that it was on, so they've called it and they've done it. Because at rugby, that's what you want to do. You want to see the space, you want to call the space, and you want your playmakers to pull trigger and trust that it's on for you and, and back, back themselves to do it. And clearly that's what happened there. 28 points to 15, kick to come, right-hand side, three metres in from the right-hand touch. Bowden Barrett. Um, rightly said, had a few people, uh, in, in my opinion, mention his form in Super Rugby. Um, but this is a two-time World Player of the Year, of course. He's going to get a lot more run rate than most players, isn't he? Because what he has done in the environment over the, the years, is, as long as this nailed it from the sideline too, that is some kick. He's six from six tonight. He was a little, um, on the New Zealand's goal kicking was a bit wonky last weekend in windy conditions in Argentina. Not the case here at Mount Smart Stadium. Brilliant stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, Faith Bowden Barrett will, I don't think we'll ever, See him at his blistering best, you know. Times undefeated, was it? Father, times undefeated. But 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 you still see him being a big part, whether it's starting at fifteen or off the bench. Yeah, well, obviously, Super Rugby. Well, for people that don't really understand Super Rugby, the the best players in your team have to do a lot for guys to bring up their level, you know, because everyone's not obviously clearly at international level. So Bodie has to do a lot of work, and when he doesn't do that work. As you've seen with the Blues, with his inconsistencies, everyone think that he's no good anymore, where 
you throw them into an all-black jersey and you've got players that are going to do their job nine times out of ten, you hope. I, you sorry hope. to interrupt. I, is this, I think you rem- I remember you saying this as a player. Like, it's almost easier going to the all-blacks. Oh, 100%. Because everyone around you is 100%. so good. Because you just got to worry about what you do and you know that everyone else is going to go and do their job. Where you drop down super rugby and if you're good enough, you know, you can do extra work to help your team. But in all-black rugby, you don't have to do that. Now, the speed is faster, the collisions is harder, but everyone's there should do their job, which makes it easier for you to go and do your job. And that's where I think he's going to come back to the Bodie. I don't know if he's going to come to the Bodie of old, but he's going to be all right. And you do want... Has he lost a yard? I don't see easy to throw those sort of statements out. Uh, maybe, maybe he's just not as willing to attack the line because he's one of the best running teams we ever saw. But he's a different player these days. Yeah, he and doesn't. Not a ten. No, he doesn't. Well, he doesn't attack the line or look for collisions as much as he did a couple of years yeah. ago. And again, you know, you, when you play a lot of rugby and your bodies get smacked a fair bit, um, the older you get, the less you want it. Um, but he's still a decent rugby player, and his mind and his technical thinking can save him a few times as well. You don't necessarily need to make 80-metre line breaks like 2015, <laughs> do you now? No, you don't. Uh, eight minutes remaining in this game. New Zealand up by 15 points after that converted try. Bowden Barrett, lovely chip to the right corner where Will Jordan uh, touched down uh, and Moang has nailed it from the sideline. It's a long way back for South Africa. Not a lot of time for them. This is the time where I ask Finn, have we played that third break or... Um, Oh, we have. What wonderful. So we've only got the, the 56 break. Cleared the deck so we can go through, hopefully, to the final whistle here, Corey. I'd like to know, Corey, how would Corey Jane, the rugby fan, as a, as a young boy, uh, be now? Were, were you a stressed watcher? Would you be pacing around the living room? Or would you have already run outside, grabbed a ball, and go play? Gone. Yeah. No, nah, I was normally, as soon as the game was over, I was gone. Yeah. I was out the backyard. Um, I used to love it because I, again, grew up the old man. Loved rugby. The only reason I played rugby is because he made me play at a young age. But we'd always wake up early hours in the morning yeah. and, you'd, and you'd watch the test match. and Afternoon footy, of course. Afternoon footy was just ideal, wasn't it? And then you'd go out there and kick a ball around because, again, being young, your game would have been early in the day. Yeah. And then you go kick a ball around on the backfield and start pretending that you're some of those those players that you watched. Um, uh, there was nothing better. Who did you pretend to be in the I, I actually did everyone. So so back in the day... You, you, you commentate yourself like, Jane to Jane, back inside to Jane, outside to Jane. No, no I wasn't, uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> I was the players. But I So I used to write down the teams. Yeah. And so say if it was an NPC, it would be Auckland and Otago, say. And so I'd, I'd have all their players and I'd have their kicking styles. So I'd have the goal kick like Adrian <laughs> Cashmore and I'd have the punt like um, Carlos Spencer and then I'd goal kick like Tony Brown, or if he was a left footer, I had to kick left footed. And so I'd be, I'd go down to the, either my backyard, or I'd go down to the school, which was down the road, and Auckland were playing Otago, and there were points up, and I'd have a tournament. And so that's why I learned to kick both feet, and kick different styles, as, or play different ways, is because I just tried to pick apart different players. And um, You're a real rugby nerd by the sounds. I, I love it. That's a compliment. I loved it. Like, yeah. I just... I just wanted to be an All Black when I was a, when I was a baby, and and so I just watch and I just learn different ways, and I always wanted to be a complete player. So back in the days, my favourite player, well, no, not my favourite player, but I was a, uh, I, I was a fullback, um, and I liked Matt Burke, 
good player. He could do everything. He could do everything. He wasn't the best at any one thing, but he could do everything. And I always kind of gee, he won a lot of games, didn't he? Great player. And I just wanted to. I looked at that and I was like, I want to be a player that can do everything. New Zealand hot on attack now, five metres out from the South African goal line with only five minutes to play. Um, shut the gate time will be if they can score, but it looks like South Africa have uh, forced a turnover. There's a bit of pushing and shoving. A bit of pushing. Look, I thought someone was going to sprint in there and then fire things up. Um, not the case. It's Corey Jane. Takes a big swig of water, mm. uh, which didn't always happen. Sparkling water, this one. Yeah, sparkling water. That's right. Um, so, so when did you feel you could potentially become well, a first-class rugby player. Because I, I remember you sort of, you broke into the All Blacks mid-20s. Yeah, was quite late, wasn't it? I when I made the All Blacks. But I, I think you were only playing Wellington for a couple of years prior, so 23... No, well, I... You're not young. You wouldn't say young, would you? No, I wasn't. Well, I, I made the Lions when I was 20. Yes. And so... But I'm, you went sevens, of course. But I went seven. that's right. So that's I, right. I played the Lions, I came into that season in 2003, I was 20. And then the following year, I was put on loan to Hawks Bay, which... I didn't mind they were Division 2, but I didn't mind it because I grew up watching Wellington and Hawke's Bay because the old man was from Wirral. Oh, yes. So he grew up watching Hawke's Bay, Norm Hewitt, Jared Cunningham. They, they were guys, Aaron Hamilton, they were the guys that stood out to me then. Who was the hulking number eight? Uh, Gordon, Gordon Falcon. Falcon. Yes. Gordon Falcon. So I, I watched them as well. So I grew up watching those. So when I went and played there, the old man was happy because I got him a jersey. And then I came back to the Lions in 2005, which I was 22, and... In pre-season, I broke my thumb. So I missed that whole Lions season and only played the last game. And it wasn't until I went to sevens and managed to make that team. And then I made the you know, New Zealand sevens and New Zealand Maldives from that and then got picked, had a good NPC and then got picked in the Hurricanes. So I was 23 turning 24 when I first made Super Rugby, old, as an outside back. And I was 25 when I made the All Blacks, again, old as an outside back. But... You know, I just I didn't give up on it, and I knew that that's still where I wanted to be. And I'd never been to an All Black game, so my what? first first All Black game that I'd been to was the one that I played in. Hong you Kong. played in it. Yeah. First time you went to an All Blacks game, you played. That's right. Because I uh, hold the phone because the, this test match is over. How good is this move? Off the back of the scrum, Corey Jane, Adi Savia takes a, a step or two to his right hand side. Ball in two hands, kids. Ball in two hands. You think he's going to attack the line? No, he shifts it to. Uh, Richie Moongo throws a delicious little dummy to, to his right, holds on to it, goes through the gap. That's the Crusader Moongo we've seen, putting games to bed. It's 20 points. It's now like, this is a drubbing all of a sudden. Yeah, well, know, 10 minutes ago, it didn't look like that. And it started like that, and then it <laughs> kind of faded away, and South Africa started bringing themselves back into the game. And everyone started getting, oh, here we go here. And then the last 10 or so minutes, New Zealand's kind of controlled it, got their momentum back, and... Job done. Yeah, tr- uh, scrum five metres out after getting a penalty. Kick to the right-hand corner. It was a lovely kick down that right-hand side. And, um, you know, from the ensuring uh, line, it went to a scrum. And uh, New Zealand have put this one to bed 20. Doesn't... What fair, like there were shades of 57-0 in the first 15 minutes. It's, I, I feel like there's a lot to sort of unpack in this game, Corey. Oh, there's going to be heaps of it. But how, how confident should New Zealand be? After this, well, you tell me, mate. Well, well, they should be because on what we've seen in well last year to where they are now, the confidence to try and play rugby when the pressure was on, which we saw in the twenty minutes after half time, yes. 
and you know they leaked a try and they were under the pump a little bit, they didn't break, and they were ma- they were able to get the momentum back again and then score another couple of tries and put this you know game to bed. But so I think New Zealand needs to be confident on where this All Black team is heading for two games in. Well. Thirty-five points. Uh, you know, a lot of credit's going to go to the way they attacked, especially in that opening twenty. But I look at that defensive stand just prior to half time, uh, when South Africa, you know, got into their work over the last ten minutes. Um, oh, here's Quagus. Quagus Smith has just scored a Quagus Smith try. He's picked the ball up after New Zealand dropped it. He seven skills there. He's just scooped it on the fly. Stepped like he's Will Jordan. And then stepped to his left-hand side, which Will Jordan can't do. And then, he, <laughs> and then he's gone over and scored. And um, then Willemsa, no, that's Williams uh, in Jersey 23, tries the quick um, conversion and from right in front hits the post. Um, uh, scan consolation try, 35 points to 20. But both, both sides of the game, back to my original point, both sides um, of the ball re- really had their moments defensively. Yep. You know, how, how do you judge the ABs tonight? I, I, th- I thought they were good. I think the pressure that was put on for them, like I said, in that second well, second half, the first 20 minutes, was relentless from South Africa. And they scored a more try, which they won't like, the All Blacks. Yep. And then that turnover try that they scored there. So you take those two away, they've actually had a pretty good game. And they were able to control the game early, which kind of put the pressure on South Africa because that's exactly what you need to do against a team that is physical in their collisions and dominant in set piece, and the All Blacks took them away in the last tw- in the first 20 minutes. We're getting the wind-up music. We're into uh, added time from the kickoff. Uh, New Zealand kind of go short to the left-hand side, and Cheslin Colby scoops up the ball, guns down the right-hand sideline, won't get any further than the 22. He's pushed it to touch. That's all she wrote. Immaculate timing. We're getting the wind-up music. We will take a break. Plenty more from Corey Jane. Hey, another friend's going to drop by. Thomas Wardrum uh, will offer his thoughts. We had to get a forward on, didn't we? We had to get a forward on. You know, it just would have, would have been unfair otherwise. And we'll talk about some of Corey's uh, favourite memories against South Africa when he was playing against some 35 points to 20. Bleeding black. The watch party. The All Blacks have been in the box. Number three, Corey, you're not slowing down. All Black number 1080 is alongside me. Dan, uh, Dan, I'm Daniel McCarty. He's Corey Jane, a former World Cup winner. Um, for a second, I thought I was Corey Jane. Um, no. Same grey hairs. Well, yeah, yeah, slightly few more KGs around my, my midsection. Uh, the All Blacks have beaten South Africa. It looks very comfortable on the scoreboard, 35 points to 20. It was a brilliant opening 20 minutes by New Zealand. They scorched South Africa. They're up 17-0. It was 20 points to 3. Uh, the last 10 minutes of the first half, Corey South Africa got into their work, put New Zealand under a fair bit of pressure, carried hard. New Zealand had make a lot of tackles over that 10, 15 minutes into the half, held them out, um, and they were put under more pressure in that second half. Uh, but job well done. Yeah, and if you were the All Blacks, you'd be sitting there going, because clearly they wanted to play with speed and move the swing box around in that first 20 minutes, and they did that and scored a couple of great tries and put pressure on them. And then in the way that they finished... So they brought on their bench, they were under the pump for a little bit, and they finished well scoring a couple of tries. So you're happy with that. That little bit after half time where they probably fell down beneath their best, but then if you're South Africa, you're looking at the 20 minutes after half time. Because yep. that's when they played their game. They were physical in their carries, set piece started going well. Defensively, they were getting off the line, and then they were able to put pressure on the All Blacks. But for the rest of the 60 minutes, they were a different team. So... They'll look at that 20, the All Blacks, you look at the first 20, 
that stop before half time, uh, where they stopped them from scoring. You know, you walk into that change room happy there. Yeah, right on the goal line, too, wasn't it? And then that way you finished. So, great game. We've had way too many backs talk about the game today. As Raul Dag dropping by at half time. This is our watch party, Corey Jane and friends. We welcome in a former English international, of course, uh, a, a man you know well from your time in Wellington, uh, Hurricanes. Uh, he spent some time with the Crusaders. You've probably forgiven him by now for doing that. He is the, I, I think you call him Barney. I think that was his nickname inside the team, was it? Yeah. Yeah. The, was the a, tank yeah, engine. Barney. Thomas Waldrum. Come in, sir. Hey, how many red wines are you in? I, I think his Raul Dag was about three or four at half time. Uh, no, only a couple of uh, a couple of beers deep. Not not too bad. Not too bad. Couple of beers meaning twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they don't call me Barney anymore. That was my younger days. Yeah, I don't want my kids hearing we... this. No, no, it's, up, it's after it's after nine o'clock. They should be in bed, Thomas. Come on, don't you rule with an iron <laughs> fist at home? No, no, no. I, I, I let them watch the game, actually. So uh, I'll be quizzing them when I get home, actually. Mate, ha, ha, like, how do you describe the opening 15 minutes from the All Blacks? There was a gulf between the two teams. Oh, and that's the thing. You, you, you look at the All Blacks, and they probably did uh, a South Africa on South Africa, really. They ran, they ran hard. And that's the thing. You, you love the forwards. Love seeing forwards running hard, tackling, breaking the line, offloading, and just... Get on the front foot, and, it's, and that's what all that's in the first twenty, and it just showed, it just shocked them, and and that's the thing when you're up seventeen points, uh, Springboks are chasing the game, and that's, and that's what you want teams to do, and that's just about pressure. So a lot of credit has to go to the All Blacks for keeping South Africa on the back foot. That that rush defence never really seemed to be a, f- a factor. Yeah, oh, it was, and that's the thing. It's it's, it's hard to play around. Like CJ knows that. It's, it's when your big massive forwards running at you, um, and you're on the back foot and stuff like that, it's, it's tough to it's tough to get around. But the All Blacks did it did it so well and changed the directions and and that's what probably stops is that rush defence is going side to side and then keeping your whip. And I think that's what the All Blacks did outstandingly tonight. Tell me when uh, when you played South Africa or you played a South African team uh, Super Rugby. What was the mentality? Uh, with you being a forward and the big forwards that you're going to come against? Oh, that's the thing. You head down and run as hard as you can and, <laughs> as, often as, you, and as often as you can. And you just, you just got to keep going and going and going. And sometimes you might end up with 20, 20 22 carries a game because you just have to get up and go again, reload, run as hard as you can at them just so then the, they just like, oh, not again. And that's the mentality you got to have. And the boys definitely showed that tonight. Uh, they beast it. So, in a lot of ways, you've got to have the physical attributes to take on South Africa. Was it a mental game when you were up against, you know, those massive four-packs? I think you made your test debut in uh, Alice Park against them. And as Corey yeah. pointed out, in, in Super Rugby, you played against a lot of them. So, what, you know, it's not about... It's about being prepared to do it physically, but no, you've got to do it for 60, 70, 80 minutes, uh, depending if the, the coach is going to drag you at some stage. Yeah, and that's what, and that's what it was about. You sort of... And they, the mentality of them is they went, what, 6-2 on the bench. So you know that they just want to come at you physically all day, just keep going and going and going. And that's where you do. You, and that's where you do the preparation during the week. And you know what's going to come. So you probably take a, a little bit, a lighter load during the week because you just know it's going to be such a physical game. And, um, and then it comes down to recovery and making sure that you, the flight, you do all the right things. Like, I, I was terrible. I would, I would have been at McDonald's by midnight. Uh, <laughs> 
couple of days before the game anyway. But that, that was that's the way I operated. That worked for me. But yeah, I think you've only got to be disciplined. <laughs> Not me again. But yeah, I think he, you just have to just chuckling to himself. Hey, but you could run all day though. <laughs> but you've always been incredibly self-aware, Thomas. That's what we appreciate. Yeah, you. yeah, well, exactly. And that's and yeah, I, I back my then that's the thing always. I back myself on the fitness. Um, I might not look the most fittest, but um, I, I back myself to to be one of the fittest on the field, and that and that's where uh, the mentality kicks in because you know you've done the hard work behind the scenes that no one sees. Um, but yeah, that's, and that is, and that's why I enjoy about the game as well because it is um, a, such a physical and mental game. I'm going to ask you both here. You're in the South African camp. How are you feeling? after that performance and that result, knowing there are bigger fish to fry at the end of the year? Well, you wouldn't be happy with the start and you wouldn't be happy with the way that you couldn't get into the game and control it and they just had no no chance to try to put their game in. And now they would have came into the game with the mindset to physically take it to the All Blacks, beat them up set piece and then keep on top of them in that, in that first half. They weren't able to do it at all, so they'll be absolutely broken in that area. Now, it's only one game, and the World Cup's the biggest thing at the end of the year, and I think they'll be better. Um, but the intensity that they played with at the beginning, they'll have to look at that. For you, Thomas, what would you say if you're inside that South African camp? Yeah, I think the I'll put it this way. I think they'll be disappointed, like my nutritionist was, when I got caught with two cream eggs on a kid's Easter hunt that they dropped out of my pocket right in front of you. And I had skin fold testing <laughs> the next day. And the look on her face was just pure disappointment. Um, so I think that's what South Africa would be feeling right now. I think that, yeah, they, they sent, what, 12 guys over to prepare for that game. And did they turn up in their first 20 minutes? Probably not. So that's what they'll probably be going back on. And but, but they did make a big impact when their bench came on. They did. So they made a massive impact. Um, and then they sort of got into their game, but... Just, they just can't. They just couldn't maintain it because All Blacks were just uh, on their next level tonight. When a team is playing at that pace, as the All Blacks were in the opening fifteen minutes, what can you do? Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. yeah. Or well, Thomas, you can go first. Um, yeah, I that's the thing. I don't know. Um, that's the thing. Take a knee. Has <laughs> someone lie yeah. down? Well, that's the thing. But that's the thing. They didn't even like the first seventeen minutes. They didn't even have the ball, so they couldn't really. Other than giving penalties away, but then you're giving territory away. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. CJ, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I just, I just, you saw one team turn up at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Compared to the other one, and that might have been all the changes, as you said before, Barn, where they came over, and they probably hadn't played a game, so the All Blacks were in there and got stuck into the first twenty minutes, and they weren't able to do anything. So they'll look at that because you can't afford to play anyone at Test match level. And the first 20 minutes just get absolutely dominated and not touch the ball. It's not going to end well. So uh, the biggest thing for them is that they have to try to gain control somewhere within them. And they weren't able to do that. So it didn't work for them. Guys, one last one. Um, before we let Thomas go. Sorry, Corey, did you I want to say something? Question for him. Just a little yeah, bit off topic here, Barney. Um, yeah, last mate. time I saw you was about a month or two ago. And you are at the Wellington Airport. And you and your wife were... Heading to Dunedin of all places on a romantic holiday um, or getaway. Uh, scale of one to ten, how romantic was it? Uh, it would have been a lot more romantic if the Cabri factory was open, but it's not there anymore. Oh. 
strategically flicked on in and go to the Cadbury factory and then the Spates <laughs> Ale House before getting a, ha- getting a room at Larnet Castle where he fell asleep at 8 o'clock at night. Was that about it? <laughs> uh, yeah, that sums it up pretty much yeah, exactly. Yeah, a couple of Spates. A perfect night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, brilliant stuff <laughs> oh fantastic stuff I just want you guys to list individuals we always like to highlight individuals who, who impressed you tonight Corey you can go first this time I thought Will Jordan was brilliant uh, for his first game back um, starts with a right winger what a shock well no I just thought like he jumped <laughs> off the screen to me he was excellent he was good Brody Retallick defensively was uh, flying into collisions and winning them so I've gone a back and a forward there Barnes so it's your turn now men uh, I'm, I'm, going to follow, I'm just going to say the, the, the 15 in the first 20 minutes all stood up and they're all on the same page and they just and that's and that's what coaches are looking for guys that are listening and doing doing the job and stuff and you've got to give credit to all of them for doing their for doing their roles I think uh, for the first 20 anyway. You just took the easy option. He did, didn't he? Oh, 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 you know what? Always then. Who do you think's going to win? Oh, it's a draw. <laughs> my, it's my <laughs> the team that won wins. Well, yeah, well, you yeah, famously yeah. got a, you, you famously got a draw right this uh, last year on this station, uh, and he's still dining yeah. out on it. Uh, brilliant exactly. stuff, Thomas. Thanks so much for staying up late and joining us on uh, Bleeding Black, our, our watch party. Go well, my friend, and hopefully next time you're in Dunners, you can get to a chocolate factory. Charlie and the Chocolate <laughs> oh. Factory, starring Thomas oh, Waldron, no, no, coming to theatres soon. They've moved to Aussie, so I have, oh, to they have to, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It's not the same. It's not the same. But no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, Thanks, boy. fella. Thomas Waldrum. Uh, 11 minutes after 9 o'clock, 35 points to 20. Always good for a chuckle, wasn't he? Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Yep. Ne- like Never too serious as a player? No, I don't think he can be. Like, you know, you can push the limits with certain people because you know their personality that you're not just going to get a straight boring answer back yeah. and get a little bit of wit or a bit of humour and uh, he's good for it. Immediate aftermath after a victory. When you were playing for the All Blacks, you know, after all your media commitments um, uh, are done, what's it like in the changing room after a win like this? I normally crack open a beer and uh, have a beer with your teammates and your coaches after ideally a win. Uh, that's normally the, the case. And then some people get showered and, and dress real fast and some people take ages to put their makeup on and sit around for ages and drags the night on. But... Um, now, normally you get in there and you have a beer and just celebrate what what just happened. And um, like, do, but you talk? Do you talk about the game? Uh, yeah, or you is, do. Or like, is it just a, a like like bunch yeah, of mates at a pub? Like yeah, the you conversation do. Can go anywhere. And some people say you shouldn't, but man, I always like to come off the ga- off the ground and and talk about what I saw, or what I felt out there, and uh, try to get yourself ahead of where you needed to be next week and. Um, yeah, so but it was more so getting in there and having a beer with your teammates that went to work with you, um, and just kind of enjoying the moment and uh, before you had to get into recovery and um, get into your number ones and look smart. Yeah, and uh, head home and and never stay out beyond curfew on the North Shore. Oh well, yeah, that was. <laughs> can't remember that night. <laughs> You're bringing up. The only time I found out was when I asked. What happened? And oh, but guess what? Like, people had to fill me in. After that, you fronted, right? Well, I had to front. That was the, the coolest thing. Is that the perfect crisis management. You deal with it, you move on, and the new cycle moves on with it. 100%. And I was the only one playing, and, and oh. Izzy wasn't. And so when the article came out 
Corey Jane booze in, and I was just like, I'm pretty sure somebody else was with me, but that's all good. Um, <laughs> and so he was coming up to me. He came up to me, and goes, "Siege man, you've got a, you've got a carve up for us." And so, <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, oh, well, we'll see what happens. I'm lucky I'm still here. Luckily, it went all right. It's 14 minutes after nine o'clock. Uh, this is Bleeding Black on SENZ. The All Blacks, 35 points to 20 winners over South Africa. A victory built on the back of a quite epic start. Uh, in the opening 15, 20 minutes, a sizzling start by the men in black uh, have given them, well, the wit to hold on, uh, despite, uh, you know, a, a good South African fight back through the middle uh, to later portions of the game. New Zealand also closing out the game in the last 10 minutes quite well. 35 points to 20 more thoughts from Corey Jane and myself uh, before 10 o'clock. Quarter past nine back after this. Nearly 19 minutes after nine o'clock. Our number is 0800 if you feel up to the task. Uh, feel free to join us. Uh, the lines are open. You can react, instant reaction to the All Blacks. A victory over South Africa by 15 points at Mount... Sorry, Go Media Stadium. I think it's officially called Mount Smart, let's be fair. Uh, 35 points to 20. Blistering start by the All Blacks. You can also uh, send in a message to the Temper Bed Post text machine if you so please. Corey Jane is here to answer any questions or react to any comments that you might have. Uh, we've just seen Ian Foster interviewed uh, by Sky Sports. Corey, we picked up a couple of things, sort of uh, backing up we were saying. He name-checked Will Jordan's performance, and Shannon Frizzell, he was asked about, and a uh, big couple of weeks Shannon Frizzell has had. Yeah, I just think his message would be his consistency and that physical contact um, and always being a present, and we've seen that, and he, uh, Fozzy, or Iffy, men as he used to call him, uh, back in the days he hated it, um, alluded to that's two in a row, and that's what I guess he needs, we need as an all-black six. Um, so it's awesome. Your stats can be a little bit deceiving, as you told me uh, during the break. Um, if I pull up the stats, I see uh, Shannon Frizzell carried the ball 14 times, more than any other uh, pl- uh, any other New Zealander. In fact, hurriedly goes down to South Africa, any other player on the field. Uh, defenders beaten nine. Mm. Uh, he made two clean breaks as well. Um, he forced a turnover. He's had a very good couple of weeks in a position that was highly contestable, I would have thought. I think Scott Barrett uh, had many people have mentioned him as a number six, but Shannon Frizzell, does, does he have a, is he a little bit more electric, a little bit more explosive, maybe a little bit more pace than, than, than Scott Barrett? Oh, 100% he is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's more dynamic. Um, both physical players, but different games. But there's not many times you see another loose forward in the All Blacks kind of outplay, or not, I won't say outplay, but outshadow Artie Savia at number eight. And I, apart from that last run at the end there, you know, he didn't really jump off the screen as uh, Frizzell did. So um, I thought Frizzell was outstanding. So if you're going to look for a different dynamic, you go to a, a Barrett, who's the bigger uh, line-out option, um, loves making tackles. Like he just, Doesn't he? He's a, he's a workhorse on, on the defensive side. Um but, yeah, again, Frizzell brings that dynamic, that explosiveness. And if he can keep backing up performance like he just did then, um, we're all right. We're going to be all right, All Blacks. Uh, Roy writes, uh, obviously so much to like tonight, but I think I saw why Foster persists with Bowden at fullback. It means you have him, Richie, Geordie, and even Jordan as genuine kicking options. And that was so valuable tonight. Yeah, I just think, again, the mindset of how the All Blacks wanted to play, they wanted a shift the South Africans guys around. The big, 
Uh, they want to go into collisions, whatever collision they can get into. And you saw their little skills within the passing from forward to forward or whether it was going out the back to the, uh, from the forwards to the backs or those cross kicks because now you're going to shape the defence and they just can't keep getting set and coming forward and smacking the all-black side because you're having to move them all the time. And I thought having that kicking game that has just been spoken about there, mate, that helped shape, shape that first 20 minutes for the All Blacks and really didn't allow South Africa to play any rugby that they wanted to play. Any individual shine for South Africa for you? Oh. Um, I'm struggling. I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to answer that question. Yeah, I'd, I just think a lot of guys were off. Maybe I'm coloured by the, the fact they were so off the pace in comparison to the opposition in the opening 20 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see anyone jumping off the screen. Like normally you watch a rugby game and there's certain people on the field that just jump, just leap off your screen all the time. And within that South African team, uh, you couldn't, it'd be hard to name too many of them that actually did that, that had a consistent game where you know, they were jumping off the screen and, and really having an impact. So, but that's credit to what the All Blacks did. Looking further afield, um, is that starting 15 or... The, the All Blacks? The, yeah. Did you think... How many positions do you think Ian Foster and his fellow selectors might just still have a few question marks about? I think that be close to it. Leicester, when he comes back, there'll be a genuine... Astor, right? Well... Uh, Talia was quite good on that left wing too. Uh, the, the thing I like about him is his ability to just chase kick after kick and he makes people miss. Now, he didn't yeah. make as many in this game as we're accustomed to seeing um, for the Blues, but, man, he's put a challenge forward on that left left side as well. So maybe Leicester might find, him, find his way back into there. Apart from there, mm, I, I, prior to maybe the a white lock somewhere, but then you've got to... Look, look at who you're going to put at six, and if Frizzell keeps playing like that, one of them are got to be on the bench, yeah? Yeah, uh, prior to the season, I, I felt the balance of the loose four trail with a big ring around six. Who, who's going to win that? And, and that was obviously going to have a flow-on effect. Um, Sam Kane is the man as far as M. Foster's uh, concerned. I, I think last year the critics were well within their rights to point a finger and ask, Correct. is this the best? Uh, job, uh, is this the best player to lead New Zealand and from the number seven position when you had other options? I don't think anyone can argue, and it'll be interesting to see um, you know, ours' body after leaving the game at half time, but Sam Kane, he's had a heck of a year, and you know, it's a testament to a guy who had a lot of people questioning. Oh, not only you're the all-black captain, so there's pressure because you're trying to lead the team that we don't like losing, so there's pressure there anyway. And he probably didn't play his best rugby last year. And so when you look at the beginning of the year, I know I did, I'd probably have Dalton starting over him. Um, based on form last based year. Based on form last year, correct. Yep. And then you look through the Super Rugby and Sam Kane was clearly a much better player. Like He was physical, uh, he was a presence, he jumped off the screen like, like I said about before. And Dalton probably wasn't as consistent as I guess he was last year. Yep. So... Fair play to Sam Kane. Like I just think he's he's grown. He's kind of told the punters that are against him to say, "You watch, I'll show you." And uh, he's done that. He has. He really has. And midfield, 
make up of the back three. You know, I've told you I'm a big fan of the idea of Jordan at fullback. He looks like he's a, he's a winger, and you know, Bowden Barrett. Is Damien McKenzie still a 15 option? Oh, yeah, I think he I, is. I know he's played a lot of 15 over his years, but he's been very good at 10. Yep. I, I think he is. I 100% think he is. I think if you're looking at that, like Will Jordan's your right winger. Okay, so now he, there's going to be a time where he's going to be 15, but I think he's your right winger. Showing what he's just done when he's just come back in right now and dominate the game, he, you lock him in, right wing. Fullback challenge is going to be McKenzie and Barrett. If they want a, a second playmaker, that's where I think I think it's going to be it's going to go, and then there's a fight over that left wing as well. But so McKenzie's definitely an opportunity at fullback. Now, do you have all three of them on the twenty-three? That's going to be the interesting question. Do you need three tens? I don't think you need all of them. No, you don't. So one of them might miss out if you're going to look at that. But um, I think Moong is ten definitely. It's going to be a challenge for the fifteen. Will Jordan's your out-and-out right-winger. The midfield. When everyone's midfield. fit and available. So I liked here. I liked Rico on the left wing. I thought he was outstanding. Just his ability to... You're not make, alone. You're not yeah, alone. I, I know not, yeah. everyone says. But his ability to just make things happen as a winger. Um, but I'm coming round to the 13. I am coming yeah. round to... I think over the last year or so, he's actually getting the ball in his hand a little bit more in all-black rugby where... Time and space is harder, and he's having you know he's backing himself to make opportunities, and then defensively, not only in the tackle being physical, but he's making some good reads as well, which mm. as a midfielder you need, and it helps having a, set, a second five inside you that knows what he's doing and can bring that physical element as well, which Geordie does. Who's most likely to break up that partnership we've seen tonight in midfield? Is it an Anton Leonard Brown if he can get fit again? Yeah, well Anton's. You're likely. Oh, he's suspended. Sorry, he's suspended. Oh yeah, well, he's yeah, he is. he's having a rest for a little bit. Yeah, but he's your, he's your most likely probably to come in there, which again, that left winger becomes a an interesting opportunity because you're not going to not have Rico on the field, and Will Jordan's your right wing, I think. Yeah. So Rico now becomes a genuine left winger if you want Anton to go into thirteen, because Jordy's your twelve. Richard Moong has got a lovely stud mark right above his left eye as he's been interviewed by uh, Jeff Wilson. Uh, I wonder, let me guess, n- number one to eight were probably responsible for that. How happy are you for Ian Foster, a guy you played under, of course, who, man alive, some of the criticism has been beyond the pile. It's been personal uh, yep. that, I, that I've heard and I've taken calls from very angry listeners. And you know what? I, I understand their anger team has lost. The players have been culpable. Um, coach has to wear it. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm delighted over these last couple of games because I don't know him as a head coach. Like I, I didn't play under him when he was a head coach. But I know as an attacking coach, if you go through all the coaches that I've had, he stands out as one of them that I can talk about because I just like the way he saw the attacking game. But also, you knew which lines you had to run which shoulders to attack. Um, and to, to the average watcher, they probably just think you're just running hard and running into you know, contact as hard as you can. But as a game of chess, and he kind of was quite good at that game of chess where if you ran this line to this shoulder and your next person did this, the D will get manipulated this way. 
Um, and he was massive on that, and it sticks out to me now. Again, I, I've never seen him or been with him as a head coach. But and that, as that coach, he was good. Yeah, that step up, step up can be difficult for people. I'm not saying, you know, the step up has you know has been beyond him, but really interesting to hear your perspective of you well, know. It's different because if you step up to head coaching, you're going to take away from your portfolio because you're there to control the whole team. So he's not going to be able to do the whole attacking portfolio that he did. Or well, not many head coaches can do that at this level. So he's jumping out of the attack and going over to getting his assistant to do the job for him. Does that make right? Sense? Yeah, I, I do because you know I think it's been you know well reflected um, uh, and articulated that you know, Scott Robertson. Um, overarching sort of body, really empowers his assistants um, and takes, you know, I think I've always described it as like a, a football manager's role. You know, he, he might not be on the grass all the time. Um, so, so you're getting two different styles uh, in the space of uh, 12 months. It'll be interesting to see um, how Ian Foster goes out. As I keep saying rather pithily, all he needs to do to get a knighthood is coach the All Blacks for a Rugby World Cup title. So it could be Sir Ian Foster. You never know. Hey, it'd be a great and, way and for what, him. And wouldn't that be funny for all? And they? knowing the, the writing's already on the wall, imagine doing that, winning it. You know, that'd be the best thing. Yeah, he can go out to our proud. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he's dragged a few more of his critics maybe onto his side of the field based on uh, a blistering first 20 minutes especially. The All Blacks have won 35 points to 20. Time running out for you to make a comment if you want. Uh, Corey Jane is uh, here with us for another 20 minutes before we will depart. 29 minutes away from 10 o'clock. 35 points to 20. The All Blacks have made it two from two in 2023. Bleeding black, our watch party. Corey Jane's been awesome. Uh, being with us since uh, 7.05 throughout the game. Stories of the past. Uh, analysing what's been in front of him on our big screen in our lovely cupboard here at the TIB Studios in uh, Petone. Uh, we continue to reflect on a very impressive uh, result for the All Blacks, 35 points to 20. We've just heard the South African coach uh, speaking to Sky Sport. Um, the line that sticks out to me, we couldn't handle the chaos. And there was a lot of it in that first 20 minutes. And that's what he'll say. Like, it was just, I think, you know, we get there and you're like the deer in the headlights. And that's exactly what they were in. He's dead right. The chaos was there. Couldn't handle the New Zealand kicking game. Uh, made too many mistakes. Gave away far too many penalties. Um, a, a lot of things to work on. You know, yes, he'll he'll look at the positives of the middle portion, but he'll be seething about that start. I'd be spewing. Because, obviously, they wanted to come here and dominate just like they, would, they did over in uh, South Africa against Australia. So, you know, everyone was talking him up a little bit. They rested a lot of their players... To come here and then really put it onto the All Blacks would have been the ideal situation for them. Uh, so it has it. The first 20 minutes was kind of, you're kind of looking at the game going, this could be 40 or 50 here. But they wrestled it back. And so, again, he'll look at that 20 minutes after half time and go, if we can play like that, we've got a good chance of winning games. He was also asked about the building process, as, uh, as always the case in a World Cup year. People like to always look further forward. I found it really interesting, his response. The co- He mentioned the confidence the All Blacks will get out of this. Well, it's hard. I, I know, he, he knows they've been in a corner. He wants to keep them there. And he feels he's, you know, he's opened the back door and they've scurried on off. Yep, 100%. And like I said, they came here to thinking that they were going to win this game. Well, that's the way you've got to have it anyway. And it's hard to go away with confidence if you don't win, or if you don't play well. And South Africa didn't play well, apart from 20 minutes, did they? To be fair, I thought the All Blacks were outstanding and 
in most patches except for that 20 minutes because of their ability to play on top of South Africa took the whole game away from them. And South Africa didn't really have an answer in that first 20 minutes on what they needed to do. And you can't go into a World Cup looking like that at all. And so, yes, New Zealand will grow from that and hopefully the public get behind them. The boys in the squad uh, get excited about what they've done over the last couple of weeks and then go and take the Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, week off next week, of course, before the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, a loss in a World Cup, year. it has happened before. Oh. Uh, in a year where New Zealand actually won a rugby world. You might know this. Can I take you back to Port Elizabeth? We've got a little clip or two we can play. Um, you were... You were I won't say put to the sword. You were put to the boot by by South Africa in Port Elizabeth in 2011. Let me take you back to this. Good tackle by Kano on him, but the Drop box goal. 11. Here we go. Drop kick. And yep. And it's gone down. This will be it. It is it. So the Springboks have the victory. 18 points to five. Yeah, 18 points to five. It was one of those games, you know, they, they took their opportunity. They were pretty ruthless in the opening 40 minutes. They, uh, you know, by uh, multiples of three, extend scoreboard pressure. You couldn't handle the kicking game. The only thing was missing was an intercept. Mm. You know, South <laughs> that, that's generally the, you know, that's generally South Africa can always add that in when, when they have one of those, uh, th- those uh, days. Do you remember that loss and how important was a loss like that in the context of the broader, the bigger vision, the World Cup later that year? I remember that game, not not the game itself. Uh, I remember I got like eight minutes at the end. And so for different reasons, I remember um, because I had played bad for the Hurricanes earlier that year, so I was in his injury cover. And I played the first game of the year against South Africa, but then I didn't play the next one or I only got eight minutes in that one. So that game stuck out because... I was like, oh, I'm not going to make the World Cup because I'm not even getting on the field. And then you found out over there. Yeah, it was quite a weird oh, team announcement, wasn't it? Worst thing. In hindsight, it was pretty ugly. But they had to get it out to the World Rugby. So we played that game, and then you got by text message. If you got text, you had to go and meet the coaches, and there was your fate. So some of the boys got that over there, and then we had to fly back to Brisbane with people that had been told they missed out on the World Cup. and. So it was a it was an awkward feeling. So that that stands out there. And then we went fr- from that game to Brisbane and lost there as well. So we had gone back to back losses before the World Cup. So it's not ideal. Not ideal at all. But can you learn? Did you learn from that loss and the one in Brisbane? Uh, yeah. Well, I just think it it got a bit more fire in the belly. And it was like we got to the semi final in the World Cup. And we were either going to play Aussie or South Africa. And we were, we wanted to play Aussie because we lost the Bledisloe. Uh, not the Bledisloe. The, what was it back then? Tri-Nations. Was it Tri-Nations? To them yes. in that game after them. So we were like, we want to play Aussie, but we were comfortable playing South Africa because it was kind of like payback for us from losing those two games. So there was a little bit of fire in the belly and um, from the losses, which if anything else, you've got to have that. And we ended up playing Aussie in the... Semis. Of course, earlier in 2011, you'll probably have pretty fond memories of actually playing uh, the Springboks um, at a lovely stadium not far from where we are. You know, how, how vivid are the memories of this game in 2011 in Wellington? And uh, Cowan finally does get a hold of it, but gets rid of uh, John Smith. Big time. Off goes Smith. Here's a chance. 
Crowley still going, Carter, he's a mixed up amongst forwards. Now Guilford, he'll be too quick. And Zach Guilford gets his first test try. Jimmy Cowan gets it wide for Jane. A lot of big forwards here. And Corey Jane sees some gaps. Up the middle he goes. He's got Smith with him. He'll oh, do it himself. Corey Jane back to his best. He goes for the run. Off it goes to Cowan. Short ball to Nonu. Good tackle. Very good tackle, but it's snapped up by Cowan. It's still there. And the ball's fallen loose, and it's with Corey Jane. And the winger's done it again. Yeah, pretty good night for you, Corey Jane. A couple of tries uh, against South Africa uh, in a World Cup. You, you, you humbled them 40 points to seven. It's not like for like, but it, you know, there, there were some really, really good patches from the All Blacks tonight. I, I wonder what a, a big one. 15 points against South Africa is a big one, not 30-odd points as it was at, at Wellington. But that night, you must have wandered, wandered away thinking a million bucks as a team. Yep, 100%. And for me personally... Um, I like I said before, I, I played bad in the Super Rugby, and so I came in as an injury cover um, into that World Cup. And the All Blacks played Fiji the week before, and I had played against Taranaki uh, in the NPC or a warm-up game. I can't remember. It might be the first game, and I did a compound dislocation of my ring finger, and so ouch. My chance was to play Fiji to try to make the World Cup team and all that, and I couldn't play it. Couldn't hold on to the ball. And so I was like, there goes my chances. I'm never going to make the World Cup now. And Ted actually said to me, he goes, don't worry, next week you'll start against South Africa. And then for some reason against South Africa, I felt so calm, so good, and I managed to score a couple of tries. We played awesome. as I think Zach scored a couple of tries too. Played awesome as an all-black yeah, team. And I'd made the World Cup because I, that game and I'd got my confidence back. I remember smacking the silver fern after I scored. It was just like, oh, my God, I'm back, thinking that. And... Didn't play the next couple of games, and so I was just like, "Oh!" But I'd made it because I'd got that opportunity against South Africa. We played awesome as a team, and I got a couple of opportunities to play well as well. So it was that that was one of the games. If you ask me for my whole career, that game there stands out to me because of what I had to go through and where I got to from playing awful rugby before that. Yeah, how des- this might sound like a really obvious and silly question, but how desperate are these players? get to a World Cup. Like, I, can, I, I can't stop thinking about those teammates in 2011 flying back having missed out. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, heartbreaking there yeah. was. Like, and so the boys, I don't think we understood, like we, we understood the context of it. So guys would be messaging each other, have you heard anything? And so as soon as your phone went off, you're like, oh no, <laughs> is this the, you know, and it would be one of the boys going, have you heard anything? Da, 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 da. So when you actually got down and before we left, they named the team and you knew the three or four people that didn't make it. Like you, you felt for them because you're there in the room as well. So it's hard, even if they're not in the room, but they're there in the room with you. So that was hard that year. Um, and I guess everyone, I didn't think to go and play a World Cup. You know, my, my dream was to be an All Black, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make that because the, if from six years old, all I wanted to be was an All Black, and I didn't think World Cups. But when you start, when you get in there and you start playing for a few years, you start thinking. Man, I want to win this Bledisloe Cup, or I want to win this Tri Nations, or whatever it was. Because you're fully aware of what other teams. Now you're uh, what other All Black teams. Hundred percent. And now you're starting to and and I came in after with 2007, where it was a fairly low bar. It was a yeah, a tough old uh, World Cup for the All Blacks. And so then when the World Cup started coming along, and I was in the team for a little bit longer, I was like, well, this is actually realistic here. And then I started wanting to be an All Black, but I never went and 
going, I want to be in the uh, in the World Cup. I never want to, you know, go into the World Cup and all that kind of stuff. It was, I want to be an All Black. I want to be the best I can. I want to be there for a long time. And then all that started coming when you started playing. The rest, they say, is history. So there are going to be some crushed players at the end of the year who miss out, of course. And I, I think the key reflecting back on 2011, looking now, is you don't want to overreact to a good win. You don't want to overreact to a, a loss, too, if you're South Africa. Yeah. You don't want to throw out, you know... Yeah. Throw and, everything out of his. And like to go back to the World Cup, yeah. oh, 2015, I got cut as well. So I've experienced, you know, what it's like to make a World Cup, and I've experienced what it's like to be told you didn't make it. You know, so. But here it is. You know, we're a long way from a World Cup. So, but two wins are better than um, <laughs> having a couple of losses. Yeah, you. for sure. Our final thoughts after this break. It is 13 away from at 10 o'clock. Australia and Argentina are up next. Good luck matching what we've seen from South Africa and New Zealand boys. No pressure. Nine away from 10 o'clock. Final words from Corey Jane alongside me, Daniel McCarty. Thanks so much for your company here on SENZ. I think, I think Corey's enjoyed being with us. I loved it. Absolutely Excellent. loved it. You have uh, you, you've sailed through the test. A-plus performance. I, I do want to know, though, can I take you back to Johannesburg, 2010? It's 22 all with two minutes to go. Um, play the clip, fun. Come on. Here goes Berger. They'll try and manoeuvre themselves into position here, the Springboks. De Villiers, right on the 10-metre line. The All Blacks, I think they've walked over the top. They have. Mialamu, the Springboks not committing enough players to the ruck, and they've paid for it as uh, Nonu gets it. Now, man, Nonu! He's got Dag! Israel Dag! Ho-ho! What a try! Man, Nonu sets it up! Israel Dag scores the winner. Yeah, outstanding moment. A very famous moment in 2010. One sh- one boot off, Ma'anonu mm. makes another break in midfield, feeds Israel Dag. Underrated uh, passer, Ma'anonu hits him right on the chest and Dag sprints away. How, how many times has he bored you about that? that no, he loves it. He always talks about himself. Um, I remember because uh, Richie scored in the corner yep. just before that and then we got that uh, turnover and Ma, there's not, there was clearly nothing on little bit of footwork as he does and runs through with one shoe on. Um, I remember as he's scoring, he might have, his hand was about five inches away from the deep ball line. Like he's, you know, celebrating. I think he's told the story on TV or something. And he said that after the game, uh, Shag hit him up and said, don't you ever do, it, do that again. But it was actually the review on the Monday. And I was sitting next to Izzy and Shag goes, Izzy, good try, but don't you put the ball down. Don't you ever celebrate. Like that again until you put the ball down. And Izzy actually looked at me and goes, does he know I just won us the game? <laughs> this was, so that was at the review. And then, so obviously no one heard. And I stood up and I was like, Shag, he just said, do you know he won us the game? And so Shag was all ang- angry at it. No, Izzy's I'm, like, stop it, Corey. Snitches get stitched. Him, had to. I couldn't help myself. Normally, um, It's not how you're rolling up. Nah, I know. I'm bad for it. Like I always, I always threw him under the bus. So, But he said it, so it's his fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the, I, I had this v- unbelievable um, memory of 2013, Argentina. Um, no, it was South Africa. After you went to Argentina first, and then on to South Africa. Um, team of 2013, and I remember seeing Bowden Barrett in the lift. Hey, Bowden, how are you? Look white as a ghost. I said, "What's wrong?" He's like, "We're off to review." Like how? Like how honest? Like it's talkback radio in there, isn't it? Like, <laughs> uh, talk about one of your colleagues. We got we got about three. 
I'll minutes. talk real quick then. We've got Beaver, yep. Stephen Donald. So the test match that he missed the kick in Hong Kong. Oh, yes. Um, so we all knew that he was going to get in trouble in the review. He knew it. I was sitting next to him. But on a kickoff, they did it, and Brad Thorne jumped up to catch it, and I'm supposed to be the safety guy catching it if he drops it. And he knocked it sideways, and I couldn't catch it, so I kicked it long. They got the ball, Australia. They ran about 10 phases, and they finally scored. And so at the review, I got blamed for not catching the ball. And I was like, but he dropped it on the kickoff. And they're like, you need to catch that. And so Shag lit me up. So Beaver was laughing because he, he thought he was going to get He scored. knew it. Well, he did, but he wasn't the only one. I was just like, are you, kid- are you kidding me? And, so, and um, Brad Thorne's like, unlucky there, CJ. Yeah, he was, he was like little Cobra. <laughs> but you got to have your bulletproof vest on sometimes and those things. Brilliant stuff, CJ. Great to see you. Hopefully we can do this again real soon. Uh, huge year ahead. Can't wait for this World Cup. It's wide open, eh? So exciting. It's so wide open. So exciting. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Corey Jane, um, former All-Back over 50 test World Cup winner. So generous with his time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, to Finn. Thank you all uh, for playing a part. Uh, Israel Dag, uh, Thomas Waldrum as well. That was Bleeding Black. We'll be back again some other day. Whether it's a fortnight's time, who knows? Enjoy your sporting weekend. The All Blacks, too good for the Springboks. Big win for them, sending a big message early in 2023. Until uh, next time, team, take it easy.